Bros chilling in the hot tub. Five feet apart because they're not gay. Two bros. Two bros. Five feet apart because they're. Hello and welcome to We Rate Queerbait. This is the podcast where we explore the blurry line between homie and homo. I'm Emery, my pronouns are they, she, he. I'm Sky. my pronouns are he, she. I'm Devin, my pronouns are he, him. I'm so glad to be back in my usual body after that fucking deranged uh fever dream that was our april fool's episode Mm -hmm. yeah i'm so glad that the uh spirit of heterosexuality has officially left me i am no longer uh i am no longer rejecting modernity Mm -hmm. yeah zero part of me is embracing tradition now and boy howdy does it feel good thank god i've escaped my trad white face (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) would hate to have that curse hanging over us oh boy Speaking of uh, fucking traditions and trad wives and heterosexuality. Oh, the traditions of motherhood. <laughs> we read one heck of a book oh. this, <laughs> this time. Oh, did we? It's called Hunters Unlucky. Damn, those hunters do be unlucky, I gotta say, though. Yeah, they, they, they're, they're kind of getting owned by the whims of fate. And also one... Very cool uh, fucking Aminol. One very cool cat who's really cool, except the times where uh, someone sings a song so good it kills you. <laughs> Boy. Man, I, I, I don't know what to do except just get into it. Yeah, this um, we gotta get into it, because this is a long book and a lot happens. <laughs> Yeah. I'm I'm really gonna fucking try to fly through this plot summary because oh boy, it's it was it's a twenty-four hour audiobook and it's so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Emery was very kind and said, You guys can skip the first part because it's mostly set up for like the larger plot and not the subplot that we're focusing on. And I was like, Awesome. Um, but I haven't read a book in a while. Um, so like, you know, I'll you know, it's it's a co- coping mechanism that, you know, like, I haven't needed in a long time for, like, you know, ADHD, and it's probably healthier than the ones that I do have. So I was like, you know what? I will read this book. I will read it cover to cover. And then uh-huh, I was, like, uh-huh. listening to the whole part one of the audiobook and going, you know, I probably just could have skipped to part two. You know? <laughs> probably. Yeah, I'm going to be very honest. I listened to part one, and I was, no offense, but kind of all offense to the fairy shaft. When we mm-hmm. got to the fucking cats, I was like, oh, thank God, a beautiful, yeah. a beautiful bomb for my soul. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the fucking, the cats are the best characters in this book. They're the real protagonists. <laughs> and I say that somewhat, uh, facetiously, but also not at all f- facetiously. They're, they're, they're the it's, only characters I don't mildly hate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's one of those books that's very interesting because you can tell the writer is wrestling with that. It's like, oh, I want to tell this cool like war story where you start out believing that the villains are like villains, but that or that the antagonists are like specifically like villains and evil. And then as the book goes on, you see the antagonists more as just like opposing forces rather than mm-hmm. you know, like I get it. Like it's a cool like storytelling technique. I will say in this one um the author maybe failed a little bit in making the like main group that you're supposed to sympathize with from the very beginning um sympathetic enough yeah like (laughs) it does like as soon as part two starts and the cats start talking you're like i'm on their side 
Yeah. Like, I've been with Storm through these culls that happen every winter, and I'm still kind of like, yeah, well. Yeah, well, maybe if you guys weren't so shitty. <laughs> maybe if you guys were I will say, bold, 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 bold of the author, uh, two-thirds of the way through the first part, to just have Storm talk to his mentor and be like, why do the cats hunt us? And he's like, oh, we used to kill their kids. Uh-huh, <laughs> and then uh-huh. just, like, walk away. He's like, yeah, probably because we used to, like, go in and kill their kids for fun and then leave. Yeah, Yeah. probably because we're even worse war criminals than they are. And I will say, like, I think that um, (laughs) there's definitely, because you mentioned that you had, like, read one of the later, like, you know, like a later iteration that this author has written. And, you know, there's definitely some parts of that where it's clear that this was serialized as well, where you're like, okay, like, this author was really into this idea and really wanted to get it across early. But yeah, it does have that effect as a reader where I'm reading and going, like, can we get to the fucking cats now? Like, yeah. <laughs> I get it. You think that you want us to think they're evil and then sympathize with them. I'm already on their side. You're going to have to work a little harder on the yeah, I'm all in over here. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm all in, bud. Um, yeah. So also, also maybe before we, we, we get really into this, I want to qualify this a little bit. This is definitely like a less known book. It's probably like not as big or well known as anything we've covered before. It is definitely just like, uh, a more independent passion project by the author. And that's like not generally the kind of project that I would, you know, bring on a podcast to get mad about. But also, I, this, this one is so directly targeting us. I could not help myself. These yeah. cats want to fuck each other so <laughs> oh, bad. Oh, so bad. No, yeah, this is one where, like, you know, I have a lot of things to say about the writing, but overall, I really enjoyed it. Like, I definitely don't yeah. want to, like, shit honestly, on someone's, yeah. like, Once passion we... project. Like, I have yeah. a lot to say that's going to sound very critical, but honestly, I'm so fascinated by this world and this world yeah. building that this author has put together. Like, it's, it is it really interesting, and a lot of it's very well written. It's just, like, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah that's I a good thing to say off the, the bat, is, like, I'm not coming out here to be, like, you know, this you know fairly small you know project that this author clearly put a lot of work into i'm not here to rag on it you know this is not some big capitalistic like overstructure i do have criticisms but overall i really really did think it was fun and i liked it a lot yeah yeah i yeah i i i agree completely like there's a lot about this book that i really enjoyed i'm still going to get very mad at it (laughs) absolutely like honestly once we got out of the first part and we started like getting more into care the other characters and the other, like, races on this island, I was like, a balm to my soul, I'm loving this now. Like, when we were just stuck with the deer, deer wolves, mm-hmm. de- deer wolf people, yeah, I, I was just kind of like, <laughs> man, all of them kind of suck real bad. Like, all of them kind of are just huge assholes, and then we got out of it more, and I'm like, okay, thank God. To the point where I was like, oh, hi, dear wolf people, when I get to see them again. Yeah, um, before we get into plot two, I do want to say that throughout my, I was listening to the audiobook of this, and I was like, you know, I got into it, but I did definitely struggle with, like, these are fantasy creatures that somewhat, like, there are real life, like, they have deer that they hunt, and rabbits and stuff. These are, there are five, like, intelligent creatures in that they can all technically speak to each other if they learn each other's dialects. It's, like, all the same language. Mm-hmm. But, um, they are all semi-fantastical creatures, 
And I would say definitely, again, with this being like a smaller, like I had a really hard time picturing any of these animals for a really, really long time into this book. And there's all these battle sequences and stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm getting into it, but also can't visualize it. And then I did open the book today to take some screenshots and get notes and stuff like that. And there is like a nice handy size chart right in the beginning. So I did find that. Um, I think I did not actually look at the print version or the or the ebook. Right, so I did not even notice that. Yeah, so I might just like send that over chat right now. But um, yeah, no. So the Kresha to me, or not the Kresha, the Fairy Shaft to me, and this like more than any other iteration. I'm like, are they like llamas just with sharp teeth? Like, is that what's going on? Yeah, they're cool llamas, and What's they the are problem? cool. It's it's yeah. They're like llamas, but with the, those fangs that those deer have. I am wondering how long into like production and writing this story, um, this person <laughs> went before they um before someone was like, "Can you please tell me what these things?" Can look like? you maybe give me a reference? Can you please? You know, in most fantasy books where they lay out the map, because uh, just by writing, it's really hard to tell where things are. Sometimes, mm-hmm. can you do that for your animals, please? And they were like, "Oh yeah, probably." Also, there's a lot of, like, locations, and, and yeah. I think a map would have also been helpful. Yeah, oh, the, yeah uh-huh. a map of this island would help me visualize things a lot, but I, yeah. I get what I, I can get, you know? Okay, so yeah, we, we, we should sort of summarize, I guess, like, the, 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 the species that we're talking about, at least yeah. the ones that are going to be important. Yeah, um, everyone except the bird. Everyone except the bird. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, so we've got, we've, we've got the fairy shaft. Those are our main guys. Um, you know, they're like the aforementioned llamas. They've, they've kind of got like hooves and fluffy fur and, but also like somewhat, they're, they're also omnivorous and, you know, hunt smaller animals. Um, when uh, they eat grass, they taste mm, num num num. When they don't eat grass, they're like yucko. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, so then we've got the the Kresha. They're just big old kitty cats. They're essentially like lions, but what if they were house cat? What what if they had like just like a bunch of variety of different like coat colors, more like house cats, I guess. <laughs> um Yeah, your basic furry, like what if what if big cat species? You know? Yeah, it's what, it's a what good if cat species. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then you've got your curbs, which are basically, uh, fox, but make it marsupial, I think. I want to say they might be more like capybaras. Mm. It's hard to say. I reread the- Oh, but if capybaras want to kill you. I reread the, like, um, the kind of chapter on them. And yeah, like, Mm -hmm. I I do want to say they're, like, rodent-coated a little bit. Um, if capybaras really wanted to like kill you, this size chart is really making me laugh because I do think that bottom one there is the lowland curbs because it says they're small and they do have a pouch. They are like, you know, they carry their young in a pouch. The other ones like just have teats that like they hang off of while they're growing. Mm-hmm. Um, the so ones that we spend more time, but with. shittier. Yeah. Yeah. Like. <laughs> What if a marsupial sucked? Really shitty. Marsupial. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know much about animal breeding. I don't. I think that's the closest thing I can assign that to is like a rodent. Type so kind of like a bat. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Like, if a bat didn't have wings, but you still had to, like, carry your young, like, just free free hanging like that. Yeah, if a bat was a capybara. Oh, that's so cool. What if a bat was a capybara? What if a bat was a capybara? Mm-hmm. Damn, that's, I think that's the next persona I'm gonna draw. Ooh, a bat that's Ooh. a capybara. A bat, bat bara. <laughs> I don't think I like that word, actually. <laughs> Damn, you, th- you think bappy bars have, like, huge baps? <laughs> well, yeah, of course. They're, they're young, have to hang from them. Yeah, bappy bar is my favorite genre. Um, <laughs> fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then there's also the Eliary, which are big birds. We'll never talk about yeah, them. Yeah, big birds we don't care about. And then there's um, the Telshi, which are very fucking cool. Yeah, Telshi are kind of fucking sick. They're uh, they're big snakes who have like qualities of both like mammals and also like fish. Um, and they're also sirens. Yeah, they're all yeah. They're not technically water breathers, but like also they lay eggs and are uh, fucking hermaphroditic and shit yeah um, as they like when they're in like egg lane age they go by she her pronouns but as they age out of egg lane age they go by he him yeah uh and the last species are the lishtis which are uh a parasitic race of jellyfish that body snatch creatures uh and when we're first introduced they're like uh they're like yeah it's telshis but they're big and they're evil and it's like, no, they're actually just, like, a parasite that, like, just worms into your brain. Yep. Which rules so fucking much. Yeah, it rules, and also they're a hive mind. Oh, it's so cool. Like parasitic hot- yeah, they're pretty fucking cool. They turn you into, like, a fucking hive mind zombie, and it kind of whips. It- unless, you know, it's actually happening to you. Right. I feel right, like right. it still whips when it's actually happening. <laughs> they're just, like, well, going through I- your memories. They're like, yeah, yeah, we're just reading up real quick. <laughs> Okay, so, like, the... They're like, it's fine, it's fine. So, like, the central thing of this, uh, of this book series is that there was, there was big war between the fairy shaft and the Kresha, the, the fucking llamas and the cats. Yeah. Uh, we open so, up in media's res of, In um, media's res. In, of important llama wolf charter, uh, being real mean to a, uh, scarred and traumatized child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. then the child dies. Charter, who you know, who uh, one one of the one of the central shitty old dudes in this book. Um, yep. <laughs> the other, you know, the other one being uh, fucking what's his face? Um, yeah, yeah. Shitty dad uh, part two. Shitty, shitty yeah, grandpa. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, uh, Charter is, like, running away, trying to protect, uh, a, 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 a small girl called Lyrsi, uh, who is dying and hallucinating, um. And he's being, like, real mean about it. He's being real mean about it. There's a point it. where she's just like, I think I see ghosts over there, and he, like, thinks in his head, he's like, uh, probably not your mom, since you can't remember that she's fucking dead, idiot. Yeah, since you're small, yeah, Mayan like, can't comprehend the death of your mother. And I'm like, holy yeah. shit, you man. You freak. She's <laughs> like, uh, when do I get to see my mom again? And he's like, uh, you, 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 
You Don't you understand what death is, you fucking idiot child? You fucking idiot, not even one-year-old. How do you not comprehend the death of your loved ones? <laughs> you dumb motherfucker. God, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> you're so lucky that you're the child of the man who I maybe want to fuck. When I say I'm not really, like, this setup of the fairy shaft, I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't... <laughs> Mm-hmm. I don't really care for them. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. And uh, so so Lyrsi is the daughter of a fairy chef named Coden, and Coden is like the fucking special guy hero of the fairy shaft, like fucking you know, leading them in, in this war, and he immediately gets got. He immediately dies, because uh, he, he fights a big, funny cat named Arkove, who is going to- who is the real main character of this book, let's yeah. be real. Literally. <laughs> Making hard eyes. The actual protagonist of this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, they're fighting. Arkove is like, hey, dude, you should surrender before I- murder the shit out of you and Coden er, and Coden's like mm, no thanks actually and he jumps off a cliff and dies completely yep. also Lyrsi fell off a cliff but she didn't die but we think she did yeah we're like oh she fucking got yeeted off a cliff I guess she's dead forever but the trick is she fell only a little down a cliff yeah no way to know what happened to her mysteriously the next chapter begins with a strange orphan boy who is not mm-hmm. not any way related to her not at all but he does Definitely have a not, beautiful no. gray coat like a mm. like, some would say like a storm the same color as Coden coat I mm, don't know. oh crazy. almost like he's Coden coated <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you I'm your own <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we, then, you know, we get sort of Storm, you know, being a baby, and, you know, speaking of the fairy shaft sucking shit, you know, for, like, a highly intelligent, highly social animal, they sure as fuck, like, don't have any, like, social support systems for little baby orphans who, with, with a single parent, um... Because he's having a bad time of it, like, he's getting bullied all the time, he never has enough food to eat, and not a single fucking adult gives a shit about him, except his poor, you know, single mom. Um, Yeah, who most of the people are like, hey, um, that kid's not gonna make it, you should stop giving him your food. You should actually eat him. Well, they don't say that. Yeah, for real. He he does join an orphan clique, and they're like, hey, uh, this one was already dead, so we can eat it. We are an intelligent race that can participate in cannibalism. <laughs> yeah, we gotta talk about when he meets his clique, because, you know, you know, you know... Oh, him and Tracer? One, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one, one, one of the guys, you know, sort of meets Storm and is like, hey, I want you to join this clique. And, you know, when he meets the clique, they're all just, like, fucking eating a dead child and you know one of them in particular is just going to town is like so invested in 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 just fucking consuming the marrow of this child's bones that you know she doesn't even you know bother to look up at 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 at, at the new guy to the group and storm sees her and is like yeah wife material that's right <laughs> Um, number one, Tali stand here. I think she's so funny. I love that, like, they all start. So that's, like, their meeting. 
And then the next time Tali speaks at all, it's them all going, ooh, we're going to tell scary ghost stories. And she goes, oh, you guys want to hear a scary fucking story? What about the time where we watched all of our friends die and also my mom died? She's just like, you guys, it's like you're at like a house and like. Someone's like, what should we watch? Like, Scream? Should we watch Freddy versus Jason? Like, Aliens is pretty scary. And they're like, I got something scary to watch. And they pull out, like, a beheading video. Yeah, they pull out the beheading video. You're like, holy shit. (laughs) I thought you guys wanted something scary. (laughs) (laughs) She's a freak and Storm can't not fuck her. I know. (laughs) He is a dang. This is the point of the book um, when it's like storm getting older where i'm just like i find this boy insufferable um because it's just him going through the emotional labor of being like damn i want to fuck tolly so bad i want Mm -hmm. her i want her so fucking bad but oh she's already betrothed to another guy but what if he just like accidentally like dies what if he just like dies and then i can fuck tolly yeah then i can have her yeah, should we talk yeah. about the whole child bride situation? Boy, yeah. A content <laughs> warning. This book, ha- yeah, okay, yeah. We should give it, like, no, like a real actual content warning here. This book does have child brides in it. Speaking of the fairy shaft sucking shit, like, oh boy, they have this, you know, and having, like, no social support for, like, its individuals. Like, it's especially bad for girls just because, like, you know, they're, you know, they are just, like, gonna get attacked, like, if they don't have, like, a, a yeah, I know, mean, a protector, whether that be, like, a social group or, like, an individual male. So males will just, like, offer protection in exchange for when you grow up, you get to fuck me. Yeah, like, it's, um, I mean, th- like, every, it's, it's sort of funny because it's, like, the main groups that we mostly meet with the exception of the Telshi because they're, like, so... Um, hermaphroditic all have their own little fucked up like rape culture going on especially the Kresha and the fairy chef which I I mean I do think it is supposed to be like an after effect of like oh they're in wartime so like they're not they're focusing on like repopulating Mm -hmm. and that's like all their species can focus on so there's like some animal shit there that like they like I can see it from a story perspective. But yeah, like, big, like, trigger warning for, like, our conversation through the whole book. Like, just Mm -hmm. for rape culture generally. Because, yeah, like, the whole thing with Storm has his, like, baby feminist moments where he's like, oh, Tali's whole life is that she was getting fought over as soon as she was orphaned. And Milo was, like, not actually trying to, like, mate with her. So she was like, hey, can you, like... (laughs) be it's called a rogan she's like can you be my rogan so you'll protect me from all these roo. bitches trying to fight me and i'll be your roo which means that when i reach breeding age i will have your full and like that's just like the rules of like this society as it is right now because mm-hmm. it's yeah it is that very much just like yeah no there's no like structure about this that is just like what's going on like no one's really watching over anybody there there's a really fun yeah there it's it's Storm has a really funny moment where he's like, wow, Tali is, uh, is child bride married to the clique leader Milo. I, I, I'm gonna fight Milo and, and, you know, let Tali choose her own mate, you know, which will be me, of course. I love giving women agency when it aligns with my own sexual goals. It's so funny. 
It's, oh, it's there's like a part where um there's another uh <laughs> is it a fight with there's another click leader that Milo like gets into a fight with at one point mm-hmm. and fucking all Storm is just doing is standing he's like what if Milo just fucking dies here could I get mm-hmm. Tully then mm-hmm. like what if this click leader just kills Milo my like friend do I get Tully. Can I have her after that? Can that's I? great for me. Ah, <laughs> uh, but that's mm, that's a little dark side coded if I think about that. Damn, that's uh-huh. kind of fucked up of me to think. That's so crazy. Anyways, we're getting attacked by the Kreisha. Anyway, some big kitties are now around us. That's crazy. I was spacing out so much thinking about the death of my dear friend that I forgot yeah. about the kitties. Yeah, so maybe so, we should. Oh yeah. So also kind of important to mention, like before he joins the clique, like Storm is like bullied and chased around by like you know this this. One really prominent high status click of children. So he's just getting hounded by 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 a child gang. Yeah. What if uh, um, but- the school bully, instead of pushing you into lockers, uh, stole your food and then actively tried to kill you? Well, yeah, he's yeah, stealing exactly. his lunch money. <laughs> yeah, but like instead of his lunch money, it was his actual lunch. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you can't get your lunch if he takes your lunch money. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, every, every time that, uh, cause it's a, it's a harsh winter, they have to kill things. And, uh, every time, um, uh, Storm kills something, Kelsey comes up and is like, you're too weak for that. And I'm going to take it from you. So then Storm has to learn how to outrun Kelsey. And won't that be important later? It turns out it will be important later because, you know, uh, you know, we are our, our first intro, you know, our first introduction to the, the kitty cats proper in this story, uh, is a Cretia raid where, you know, the, the fairy shaft are like having their little winter migration. Uh, and then just some cats come in, break off a bunch of members from the herd and massacre them right there in front of everyone. Yeah, and to be clear, like, the ins- how this works with the fairy shaft is that, like, they don't tell the young ones. Because, I mean, this is a war treaty, so we'll get into, like, the why and stuff later. But basically how this works for the book is that Storm, like, grows up his first years and everyone's like, he's so small and shitty. And he's like, that's his biggest problem. And then when winter starts, like, right as winter's starting, they're, like, making their migration. And they watch- he watches the big cats come and, like, circle a group and kill them. And he's like, Mom, what the fuck was that? And he's- she's just like, well... Uh, that's what the Kreisha do every winter. They come and kill us. Yeah. And then and he goes and talks like, to his his mentor. He's like, hey, why do they do that? And he's like, ah. He's like, well. Yeah. yeah eventually he's yeah. like, well, we used to kill their kids, so now they kill ours. But yeah. That's what happens, okay, when lo- what happens when you lose a lo- war. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also, like, important to mention that, like, you know, while this cull is happening, the adults are just kind of like, well, I'm minding my own business, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I pretend I do not see it, and all the children are like, holy shit, this is the most traumatic thing that's ever happened. Yeah, no, like, it's not just Storm, it's everybody, they don't tell the kids because they just kind of expect, like, yeah, I mean, if they're gonna kill some of us, they're gonna kill these kids who are not suspecting anything, and it's their first year anyway, so, you know. Harry Shaft are awful. I cannot emphasize this <laughs> enough. <laughs> Literally, so they're bad. like, please just call our children. We won't even tell them about the call. You, they'll be so easy. It's <laughs> They're so bad. Promise Neverland. There's even a... Okay, but Elite... <laughs> 
where where Storm is talking with his awful stepdad, and he's like, "Hey, I want to tell my baby sister about the calls, so she'll like be ready for it and know what to expect, and you know, know how to protect herself in that situation." And stepdad is like, "Fuck you, idiot! Don't tell me how to parent my child." <laughs> this is this is like if the Promise Neverland was a thing, but all the kids sucked. Like, the promise Neverland, but if all the kids were just awful and you hated being around them, and you were like, maybe the demons should eat them. And also all their parents were there, and they were just like, yeah, well, you know. Yeah, if Mama wasn't, like, (laughs) an interesting villain. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Uh Yeah, so we, the important thing with Storm and Kelsey is that, um... Kelsey is bullying Storm a lot, and Storm learns an initial skill he has, which is, my boy can duck and weave like no other. He's so tiny that he can crawl into little holes and hide. And so he gets real good at ducking and weaving. So this comes important with the cats. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, he can juke on them. And yeah. his good friend Pathar, his good friend Pathar taught him, hey, um, uh, you can, you have to out-dodge people, too. You gotta give them the jukes. You can't just, like, you know, run fast. You gotta, like, kind of give them a serpentine formation. Yeah, he says, you see their ankles? Fucking break those bad boys. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> like, just fucking juke around them. Make them embarrassed. Um, and that's what, when Storm is surrounded by the kitties, that's what he does. He says, I'm fucking out of here. I'm juking. And the kitties, they fucking hate that. Yeah, because his second year is when a aforementioned fight is happening, and he's like, damn, maybe Milo will just die. But then because the two clicks <laughs> are fighting- rubbing his grubby little hooves together. <laughs> yeah, he's like, fuck, yeah, maybe I get Tally. Or Tally. <laughs> and then, like, the, the, the cats surround their two cl- um, clicks because they were the ones fucking not paying attention. And then Storm's like- Wait, I could probably just outrun these bitches. And so he just sort of ducks and dodges and weaves, and all the cats are like, what, what? 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 This kid's ducking. These guys aren't what? easy to kill. What? This kid's weaving. Holy shit! <laughs> His jukes. <laughs> it's no use. <laughs> um. Yeah, one of the cats is Silver the Hedgehog. <laughs> uh-huh. He's from the future. Which one? That's. Uh. Good question. I mean, hmm. I think it was the the first one who we got away from was that S H something dude who never Charmel. comes up again because he dies pretty early. Charmel. Charmel. Yeah. Charmel. Or does he die? I don't remember. Charmel dies. Does he dies. He gets disemboweled, <laughs> and then oh, uh, that was Ar- Charmel. Yeah, okay. Arco has to be like, "Do you want me to put you out of your misery?" And he's like, "Yeah," and he's like, "Chomp." I, I don't think that was Charmel. Oh, it wasn't Charmel? Was that Arian? Oh, was that was Arian. I feel like maybe Treese kills Charmel. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, I think Treese just kills Arian. Charmel and Arian are the interchangeable ones, though, so we don't need to worry about it. Yeah. They don't matter and they just die. Yeah, Halvory is Roop's rival and Treese is... Uh, also Roop's rival. Yes, and also Ted Bundy. So... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those are the Bundy ones that matter. And- Ted Bundy and his brother worse Ted Bundy. Yeah. <laughs> Ted Bundy and even more Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy and his evil twin. Ted Bundy and Ted Bundy who's like, but why? <laughs> Ted Bundy and the cooler. Why shouldn't I? Yeah, Ted Bundy who knows how to be like, you know, a, a like public facing um serial killer and Moreau, his uh evil twin, is like, wait, why do I have to pretend I'm sad? I just killed those bitches and I don't give a fuck. But I like doing it. I love cutting them up to see their insides and I don't think I should be punished for it. 
Ted Bundy in the cooler, Ted Bundy. <laughs> yeah. And they're both so homophobic. Oh, oh to the max. Half of what we have to talk about for, like, uh, Roop and Arco's relationship is just Therese and Moreau being homophobic about them, I feel. Extremely. <laughs> like, to the max. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Storm runs away, and that kind of leads us into part two. Like, all the cats are super mad about Storm getting away. They're like, hey, what the fuck? Is this allowed? Is this even allowed? We tried to kill that kid, but we couldn't. Mm -hmm. Hello? I think also as he was running away and he got away, I don't remember if it's this part or, like, a later part, but he was so happy that he juked so well. He gave a little, ow! And they were like, they were not happy about that shit. Yeah, oh yeah. They were like, these these deer cannot go, ow! I think he gets away the first time, and then this, there's another time where they're trying to do another call, and he howls then to no, distract them. No, he does them. it the first time, and then he realizes they don't like that shit at all, and oh, then he does okay. it to distract them each consecutive time, because they're like, we hate that shit, stop it. You're not allowed to do that. No, we told you no howling. No more owls. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, they yeah, the 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 Krisha made a law about no awu and you know, not only is this oppression for the fairy shaft, but also everyone with a wolf persona. Yeah. Do the this fairy shaft just all cats. have wolf personas? I love that there's not wolves in this. No, that would make it too confusing. <laughs> like it's not a cat versus wolf fight, which is like, you know, kind of where you would like think that the a thing that would happen. They're like, no, it's a llama. uh so yeah part two part two basically broadly is just like about all of arkov the 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 protagonist of the story and and boss of the kitty cats like Mm -hmm. it's about all of his officers like one by one going out with their little band of murderers and trying to kill uh storm but he just like gets away every time and it also like introduces us to some of the politics of like why they have to like hunt down this one annoying kid because they need to do it as like a show of power and dominance or else you know you have to kill the the idea yeah the fairy chef might start getting ideas and just like fighting back and you know going back to their old ways of murdering children just like like they do yeah Mm. (laughs) they can't realize that there's more than them than there are of us (laughs) that's so true Mm mm-hmm so true. But you're thinking of Bug's Life. Fairy Shaft of the World mm-hmm. Unite. That's Ants too. Is that an Ants? I watched Ants once and it was so appalling. To no, me. yeah, Ants is the one with the grasshopper has the big speech where he's like, well, what? No, that's oh, Bug's no. Life. No, That's Bug's Life. That's is Bug's it? Life. Wait, Ants no, is, that happens. Ants is the really shitty looking one with Sylvester Stallone that I have not seen. <laughs> this is the one that is really shitty. Yeah, I know, but It Ants- has like a War is Hell section in it with the worms. <laughs> Sure. I've never seen ants. I just, no, I, I just show you an image of ants right now. I, no, I know, but I had to watch it in school because that was the message of it. It was They're when the... we were like reading Animal Farm or some shit. Bug's Life is the one with the grasshopper, though. I think you're thinking of Bug's Life. No, I think you're thinking that some of the scenes in Ants are in Bug's Life. I know it's like that, and then the grasshopper is fucking like what grasshopper? That guy. That's not a grasshopper. That's an ant. Oh, no, it's the ants versus the workers, but they do have fights with... <sighs> worms. They fight with worms. We're losing it over here. Yeah, and then that's the one that has the big battle scene where they, like, yeah. converge on all... Yeah, that's ants. Yeah. Yes! 
That's why were you said. thinking of gra- grasshoppers? Well, I don't know if it was actually grasshopper, but I do remember this worms. scene where he's like throwing like food at them, and he's like, "This food represents the worker ants." No, that's it. still Bugs Life. That is ants. That is Bugs Life. Okay, clearly we need to fucking pause the episode and go watch both of these movies and then do a we rate queer bait about those and then resume the podcast about the 24-hour book. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cutting this off. <laughs> so part two, the, the important thing about part two is that like first scene of, you know, first chapter of it, we finally, le- like, see Arcove and his first officer, Roop, as, like, prospective characters. And, you know, Roop is telling Arcove, oh, this one kid, he ran away. He fucking ducked and d- dived on him uh, and dodged. Uh, and and Arcove is like, hmm, this is troubling. This could cause problems. And then fucking Roop starts a little splash fight and is like, so hey, Arcove, let's, let's play together like we're kittens again. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, can we, okay, so I have a thing to say about this scene, we should, I don't know, this is- I love gay, I love gay, um, little playtime while they're discussing how they're gonna ethnic cleanse the deer better. <laughs> well, you know, there is that. Um, but I do love how this scene starts, which is Arco having a nightmare and Roop wakes him up, and, uh, Arco's like, oh, damn, that sucks, I hate- it, the shame of having PTSD. Oh, Did I wake anyone up? And Roop's like, oh, just your wife, but she didn't want to wake you. And he's like, a wise mate, but then in his mind, he's like, and a foolish friend. And it's like, oh, our first scene with them together, Arkov is in his head comparing his beta and his mm-hmm. mate. That is oh, like, just like... right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, holy shit. <laughs> they want to bone down the, like crazy. It is insane. The second we, the second, the fucking millisecond we see these two together, it is already on. It mm-hmm. is like <laughs> Arco sleeps next to Nadine and Roop every night. Every time it is mentioned that Arco is sleeping somewhere or sitting somewhere, Roop is there. Right there. next to He's him. Right Nadine there. is usually also there, which Polycule writes, Polycule win. Um, mm-hmm. Roop is always there. <laughs> this is also in, like, relation to the fact that um, all these cats have what we call is a clutter. And the clutters are kind of, like, different prides of the other cats who have their own little, like, caves and, like, areas that they live in. Roop has his own, but he chooses specifically to sleep with the Arcoves all the time, and also he keeps his, like, excessively small. Yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah, no, I don't need a big one, I just need Arcove. Yes. Boy, we're, we're, we're gonna get into Roop's whole situation later, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's kind of just, like, part two, like, we also get, like, introduced to, to Treese, uh, in particular, who is one of, you know, Arcove's He's cockney. Uh, office, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, like, you know, when he chases Storm, he just kind of, like, randomly, like, fucking murders a bunch of guys to provoke him, or, like, yeah, just, like, distract him and get his attention, and it's like, well, that was unnecessary, and fucking Daddy Arkov has to yell at him because, like, hey, that wasn't according to treaty rules, you just kind of murdered a bunch of guys, and Trees is like, well, whatever, they're just, they're just fucking berry shaft, I'll kill as many as I want. They're just deer. So... So he's going to be a problem later. Mm-hmm. That, that'll be a surprise <laughs> tool that'll help them later. Yeah, he's got the sicko gene in him. Yeah, he's he's got the Ted Bundy gene. I will point out during this scene, um, this is the part where you can tell this section was the serialized um, 
a serialized work because there is just like multiple times where it's called uh like the hunt rounds like three the hunt round four mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the hunt round five i'm like oh my fucking god we're going with everyone huh mm-hmm. uh there is a part um where Roop has to get involved in the hunt and um storm is being like a little bit of a, a piece of shit and he's not sleeping with anyone because he's like oh i'm so tortured i'm away from everybody uh and Rube just, like, while he's sleeping, just, like, puts his entire mouth around Storm's head, and then, like, gently switches from entire mouth around Storm's head to putting his paw on Storm's head, and is like, don't move or don't make a noise. And I would just like to say, he practiced by doing that to Arkov every night. Yes. Yeah, like, literally, you know, just, like, all of the officers, like, fucking tried to catch him and failed, and then Roop just is, just fucking sneaks up and is like, well, I'll get him in his sleep, but I'm not gonna kill him, I just wanna talk. Yeah, yeah, it's the biggest Arkov is like, can you do it? And he's like, I can, but I don't want to, and he's like, will yeah. you at least try so you can say you did? And he's like, yeah. sure. Well, yeah, and, and yeah, so like, he does, he does <laughs> capture him, and then kind of, like, they, they do, like, 20 questions back and forth to get some information, and then he does give him, like, a sort of good faith effort hunt, like, in the next couple mm-hmm. days, he tries to hunt him down, but he also is unsuccessful. But he does prove that he could do it if he wanted to. He could have just killed Storm in his sleep right there, but he's like, actually, I want to ask about how Paythar's doing. I want to see how Paythar's doing, and Storm's like, he's doing fine, except he don't talk to me anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rupus is like, haha. Anyways, bye. And yeah, just like, we 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 learn some of, like, Rupus' character traits. You know, he's like the, the tactician and the schemer who's always, like, a million steps ahead of everyone else, and he, like, usually, you know, knows how people are going to react to things, and and is kind of, you know, inside everyone's head and, like, a step ahead of them. And, but also, he's, like, kind of the, uh, the, the little sensitive one. Like, he's the one, you know, he's, out of, out of any of the cats, he's the one who, like, opposes, you know, doing the fairy shaft raids. And he's like, maybe we could not genocide these guys? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could not do yet another ethnic cleansing on them. Mm-hmm. And Arkov's like, yeah, but they used to eat our kids. Arkov's, yeah, Arkov's big thing is that uh, there used to be more herds of fairy shaft, and they used to, like, go into the woods that the uh, Krisha live in, and just, like, every spring, just go in and just kill a bunch of their kids, and then leave. And he's like, yeah, I'm not living through that again, my man. Yeah, yeah, his 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 very justified thing is like, hey, if the reason we need to keep doing this is because if their population gets too big, then nothing's gonna stop them from just uh, murdering a bunch of children. Yeah, so I pointed yeah. out later when uh, they're the deer, like, damn, damn, the Kresha are seem to be in a powers dispute, and one of the deer is just like, oh, great, I can't wait till we get to kill their kids again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn. Yep. They're still on it. Yeah. Yeah, so fairy shafts suck. Um, but yeah, a big like um a big part of this book is that like is Arcove kind of going back and forth with Charter, who he kind of put in charge mm-hmm. after the whole fiasco in the <laughs> the opening of the book. And he's like, so <laughs> Like, they basically have a conference every year where they're like, okay, how many of you are there? And they keep the number, like, under, you know, a ratio of the lions, and then that's how many they go out and kill. It's very systematic. They don't let the Kresha 
eat them after they kill them. And they also do it in winter, which is important later. We learn that, yeah, they like taste worse in the winter. So that's when they do the culls so that the younger Cretia don't get a taste for like very chef flesh. And so that's how a very, very fair treaty that Arcove worked out between the fairy shaft and the Cretia, if I'm very honest. Except for the ethnic cleansings. Well, no, it's not good, but like, you know what I mean? Like he was trying his best. Yeah, Arkov was literally like, hey, if you if you just keep your breeding under control and, you know, just like keep the population Don't ethnic cleanse us. This set limit, like, yeah, if then I won't do any fucking ethnic cleansings. I won't I won't have to kill anyone if if you can simply teach your 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 guys about abstinence only education or like safe sex Carter is just like no absolutely not that would never work no my people love to fuck they can't stop doing it they They simply i cannot get them to stop fucking they're doing this whole rogan ruth thing i don't really know where that came from but i i i can't step in there would be no sense in me stopping the males from fighting over the females it would never happen i'm sorry my kids love to fuck also, I kind of want to do just, like, address, like, the sort of a, the, the quality of, like, fairy shaft relationships. It very much seems to be, like, a status thing more than, like, an attraction thing, if, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, it's a status thing in the sense because when Storm is into Tully, it's, like, by the view of the story seen as, like, kind of weird... That he's, like, so into Tully, and every time someone brings it up, like, there's one uh, funny little deer that starts hanging out with him later named Vala, and everyone's like, yeah, Vala is, like, she's pretty, she's, like, she's very breedable. uh, Submissive and breedable? Yeah, not good at hunting, so you know she's gotta rely on you, so that's, that's good, that's good breeding right there, and Storm's like, but I don't love her. And it's seen as everyone being, like, the fuck does that have to do with it? Yeah, it's it like yeah, it's it definitely uh yeah, it's definitely like kind it's it's yeah, I think that describes it pretty well. Like it, you know, despite it 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 really just does, doesn't seem like a lot of feelings are involved in these, you know, het relationships except for like, you know, kind of like the status of like having an attractive mate and like a a bajillion kids or whatever. I do think some of the later stuff that it gets I think some of it ends up being kind of cute like they do have like mm-hmm. kelsey and his like three mates who just like like to tease him <laughs> his, and make fun of him and smoking shit. Girlfriends. his three weed smoking <laughs> girlfriends and they all just take turns like ragging on him and stuff and like <laughs> i don't know i think they do have some fun with it oh, like, kelsey I think, would be the guy from that post who was just getting real mad like yeah the rogan rube all that bullshit sucks i think yeah. um that just <laughs> It's it's awful and all over the place and it's very like like um uh that's like Storm's big thing is he learns later that um Sofet was a Rue. Um but it, it, so that's like a big whole like thing that they're kind of not really even fighting against, but that like acknowledged by the story is shitty. But I do mm-hmm. think like even with that there are some like actually like cute like oh yeah, like there's there's some cute like teen romance stuff with the like um at, at when the fairy shops start to get to like mating age and stuff 
Yeah, and something I'm getting at with all of this is just, like, none of the heterosexual stuff with the fairy shaft, like, even compares, you know, none of it is even remotely as romantic-coded as the the stuff between Arkov and Rue. No, literally, like, even the stuff that is cute is not comparable. There's even a little part, like, um, after Storm first gets away, Kelsey, like, suddenly starts hanging out with his clique. And, like, his click is like, yeah, ever since that, Kelsey won't leave us the fuck alone. He keeps asking about you, and he keeps, like, <laughs> showing up around here, mm-hmm. and he keeps, like, hanging out, and we really don't like him, but he's always around because of you. And I'm just like, yeah, Kelsey got a, Kelsey got a crush. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kelsey got a little bit of a crush on Storm now. He's like, damn, that nerd I used to bully, kind of goaded with it. Kelsey got three but- <laughs> weed-smoking girlfriends, and all he can think about is Storm. He's just like, damn, white boy, get it. <laughs> They do have like a cute little moment where Kelsey is like, "Yeah, I kind of wanted to invite you into into my clique." Like after you had, you know, uh, uh, run away from me a few times because like you were so good at it, you seemed kind of cool. I don't know. Exactly, <laughs> it's like cute, every yeah. single like it's every single like Ao3 fan fiction of like school bully and school nerd where it's like the bully being like, "But you always like were so cool and brave and." Oh, you're so smart, and I could never be like that. And it's just like, yeah, yeah, I get it. It's Kelsey being like, damn, Storm, you were so brave and sexy when you ran away from those kitties. Yeah, Kelsey, uh, Storm, I used to really like to pull on your pigtails, but now you've grown up a little bit, and now I just want to hang out with you. I, it, literally. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> All these weed-smoking girlfriends mean nothing to you compared to you. Uh, so, um... Yeah, so part two ends with, like, Arkov bringing, like, all of his officers uh, in in one final chase against uh, Storm, and they, like, finally corner him. You know, they chase him to a place called the Ghostwood, which, you know, has, a, like, a shit ton of carnivorous plants and everything's poisonous and makes you hallucinate. Yeah, Pathar so. took him there to be Dumbledore drinking the, the hurt juice and, like, trip out for a few days while Storm has to trip it, so that was fun. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> no adult in this world is good. <laughs> Paper's like, hang on, Storm. I'll just be, a, I'll be a couple days. You gotta just watch me for a second. I gotta, I, I really need this. Hey, kid, I just dropped a whole bunch of Molly. You gotta sit with me for a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make sure nothing bad happens while I'm here, uh, fucking envisioning the future. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, now Storm, like, this is his one option. Like, Arkov's like, are you gonna fight or die? And he's like, I'm gonna run away. So he does, and he runs directly into the ghosthood. I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna go trip balls. So, yeah, they, they kind of leave him for dead after that. He does crawl into a funny carnivorous plant and get digested a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, a, a funny... Coden's funny ghost talks to him and, you know, gets some. You know, he, he gets out of that the, the carnivorous plant uh, while he's still got some skin left and uh, finds yeah. a magical amulet that'll be important later and then gets picked up by a big funny bird. The only time the Iliary are ever relevant to uh, to the story. Yeah, so this is a big funny bird that is big enough to pick up a, like, six-foot llama. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. I think I still have the chart up, and I can look up how tall the Iliari are. They're like eight feet or so. Mm-hmm. 
probably with a big old wingspan. Yeah, they're like just above eight feet. Um, so yeah, and probably yeah, that like sixteen foot wingspan. Yeah, they're big birds. And so th- what fucking happens there? This is where I started to be like, get me um, back to oh, uh, so get me what back to Arco and Rue. <laughs> there's an earlier part where Storm is in a funny cave and he's stuck there because I think Calvary gets him stuck there. Yes, and. Uh, he's in the funny cave. He's like, damn, I'm going to starve in this funny cave. But then a, (laughs) and then, uh, a rock moves in the funny cave. And then he's like, damn, um, uh, I'm now in a new funny cave. And then a big funny snake seal pops up and is like, hi, Storm. And he's like, ah, I'm out of here. So the big funny bird collects Storm after he's dying in the poison plant farm and the snake is like yeah i know the birds and the birds brought you here because you were rude as shit last time and left mm-hmm. yeah i would have talked to you yeah. last time if only you weren't so fucking threatened by me if you weren't yeah, threatened so... by me being like an eight foot eight foot snake seal seal mm, yeah. much longer so, yeah so very the long shaft are have all been taught to like fear and distrust the Telshi. like there's ghost stories about them and everything and very cool like, of arco control your mind and eat you but no it's actually like no we were allies like we're best friends what are you talking about i uh, love this size chart because it does have them like coiled up so you, we have no idea how tall or long they actually are, but at coiled up, they can sit about 10 feet tall very easily. And coiled up, they are insanely big, and uh, <laughs> not coiled up, they are insanely big. Yeah. yeah, they're, you know. But yeah, they're big, big, big fucking, like, siren, dra- like, uh, when I say dragon, I think it's implying more of, like, a Chinese mm-hmm. dragon, like, you know, like, yeah twisting through the air kind of thing. Uh, but they're very cool. They're probably my favorite. Um, they take Storm down to meet uh, Keisha, who is, like, basically... He's entering... Uh, he's Gandalf. Yeah. So, no, it's actually... It's really cool that the she have this, like, torpor thing where, like, basically, instead of, like, really... I mean, they die. But really what happens is they float to the bottom of the sea and hum and, like, they sing and they sort of just fall asleep and they can wake up for, like, a little bit. But, like, eventually they just sleep forever. Yeah, that's tardigrades. Yeah, it's super cool. And um, uh, Kelsey is sleeping because he's composing, or not Kelsey, Keisha, is composing a song, uh, which song of fuck you. will be really important later oh, to our main character. <laughs> um, but so Man, Keisha is really funny. He a- hates Arcove so fucking much. <laughs> I love Keisha. <laughs> he made a song of ultimate fuck you. Because, like, this part's really fuck. Like, he, basically, Shaw is the Telshi, and uh, t- she takes storm to meet keisha he tells his side of the story about how like um he tried to help the fairy shaft and they got onto Kui island and then uh arcove was smart and like dammed up the water so they couldn't like leave the island and then like ambush mm-hmm. them and killed and like they starved all the telshi there yeah like yeah, starved they- them out ran in killed the sleeping telshi bodies um arcove is so cool Arkov's, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah did what Arkov he had is, to do, is the thing. Um, Arkov is a motherfucking shonen protagonist, which we learn more and more as the, as the book goes on. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So Keisha's Hasn't like- Hasn't lost a fight yet and never will. Keisha's yeah. like, Storm, you're cool. I'm, you, you're welcome here anytime. I know your herd's kind of fucking pissed at you right now. Um, but I need to go back to sleep so I can finish writing this very important song. And Shaw is pissed because that's Shaw and Keisha's relationship at this point. Is Shaw wants Keisha to wake the fuck up. Um, but 
uh, Keisha needs to snooze and compose a song. Keisha's like, I'm, I'm yeah. making the sickest. This will be like the I, modern, I'm this gonna is gonna be the sickest mixtape on you guys. It's gonna be the modern understand. day in the Hall of the Mountain King. Bitches will be fu- going fucking wild for it, and by bitches I mean Arkov. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so also there's like uh fucking politics going on amongst the cats. Like Roop figures out that um. Uh, fucking Treese's, uh, you know, cr- uh, uh, oh, rape culture part two. Cats. Uh, this there's... is big, like, another trigger warning for any time we talk about Treese and Moreau and how they run their den. Like, another big one on that. There's also politics in that the cats are doing so well in life that there's too many of them. Um, so they're eating all the deer and now they go and hungry and, uh, there's a starvation thing happening, so yeah. Trees is like, we're getting extra weird. Um, yeah, Arkov Ar- is like, hey, I don't want our population getting too big either. Like, we can't, like, overrun the island and and and, and wipe out all the prey. That'll fuck us over. And Trees is like, sustainable. Mm, I don't care. Yeah, basically, like, they're like, wow, why why are the deer dying? And Halvory is suspecting, like, I think they killed a pregnant deer and we're not supposed to do that. Because Arkov does have pretty strict rules on, like, um, uh... Not only, like, food management, like, which animals you're supposed to hunt and kill, and, like, specifically not pregnant deer ever. You're supposed to only attack, like, I think it's, like, stags in the winter and then foal in the summer or whatever. Um, but, so, he thinks they saw them kill a pregnant one. Uh, so, they send Roop in to go investigate this, and, uh, they, uh, Roop immediately falls into a big scary trap. So they're like, oh, Treese and Moreau over here are like, you know, hunting, hunting. And they figure out that, um, <clears throat> they speculate at least, and this does turn out to be true, that they are like overpopulating on purpose because Root thinks that Treese is trying to like take over. Um, and what they've been doing is like bringing in like really, really young females to be their mates. And also, uh, they have taken up all of the like bitter leaf, which is what they use as like a contraceptive. And they've just like gotten rid of it and replaced it with another plant that they're like, nope, this'll, this'll work on you. And it doesn't. Uh, so they've just been like very, um, inappropriately, very much overpopulating their area. And it's just kind of wild running there. It's cool that these uh, cats know about contraceptives. It is. I do think that's kind of cool. I think Arkov is a pretty good leader. I am always blown away by the ways in which the this animal society is both very, um... Civilized is just a s- shitty word to use, but very... Advanced. Yeah, advanced, but also ways that I'm just like, wow. Wow. Wowie wow. Yeah, so they don't some have of the opposable thumbs, and it's really it's really doing. They don't have opposable thumbs or agriculture, and it's 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 uh it's it's really a bottleneck for them. I think. Well, we'll get there. Treese wants to start the agricultural revolution, and it's yeah. his biggest mistake. It's the evilest thing you can do. That's right. Um, that's kind of their big drama throughout this. I don't. I mean, we can get more into it. I I was. It's. Basically, all you need to know is there's Treese Arkov drama. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely and some yeah. shit drama in there, too, but maybe we can get to that when we do favorite yeah. moments. Treese, yeah, yeah Treese is also, like, you know, just doing, like, un... 
um, he's doing like illegal raids on the fairy shaft. He's like mm-hmm. just yeah, he starts guys over to like pick him off one or two, just like in what you know, which is definitely like way against the treaty. So uh, Storm's little sister Sonny and also Kelsey are like have been just like training fairy shaft to like fight back, and since they're only coming one at a time, they're like, all right, we can just gang up on them and fucking pick them off one by one let's do it certainly they would never show up in groups we are this yeah we're this definitely has made us prepared to fight a full-scale war we're we're on it we got this yeah this will be great um so uh, it is causing tension in the herd the young people are like fuck yeah we should kill all those kreisha and the old people are like "Mm, you guys are stupid also uh we're gonna just let you take the fall for us and die so so like you know arkov is like you know he you know he he's doing all this like investigation and really trying to catch you know one of Teresa's cats in the act of like of like you know killing fairy shaft uh so you know he you know he he finds one and then like he you know goes to a site of one of the raids uh with with a bunch of his officers and you know finds like a big fucking you know fight going on between the fairy shaft and the cats and Sonny is there and she's like oh good Arkov is here I'm gonna to murder him and she's two years old and fucking tiny as shit but here's the thing she's bipolar and on a manic episode so so she immediately just fucking runs in there and gets broken in half yeah arkham like basically bitch slaps her and is like um no arkham is like that's extremely funny um bye uh what happens? Does Storm? I forget how Storm breaks us up. Because Storm shows up and he's like, no, don't fight. I think basically there is like a big old fight and uh, Storm yeah. watches a bunch of his friends die and yeah. then follows Sonny out. That's how he gets out. Yeah, and then eventually right? Arkov decides that instead of chasing Storm, he has to go and see. He has to go and investigate the... Um, the raiding Kresha that they oh, found. Oh, yes. The I instigation forgot. of Arkov is, once again, a good leader, because he's like, okay, I'm going to de-escalate the situation, uh-huh. and I'm going to take care of the aggressors, which are my people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he goes Arkov said cop unions ain't unions. That's right, that's yeah, exactly right, he, yeah. He, f- he fucking fires Treese, and By he fires doesn't him. kill Treese because... He's he he kind of has an Isaac Netero moment where he's like, this is the worst person in the world, and also he should succeed me. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Yeah. Except there's no sexual tension between him and the worst person. Yeah. No. Arkov only has sexual tension with one person. Yeah. yeah exactly. And it's not his wife. No. Uh, also, yeah. Also, there's like a little side plot where you know between like the Telshi caves and going back to the herd a storm joined a curb pack it's not that important and the curbs got like genocided off screen so yeah but it's like, okay because they're gonna have lots more puppies there's like a random like in between where storm is i think running away from i think trees honestly there's like a part where he like runs them into the curb pack and there's like a little aside where the curb leader is just kind of like yeah i'm here I'm here out in in the the fields. Um, I fight for those my fuck, meals. Those fucking lowland curds have been genociding us for like the last three weeks because there are not enough deer to genocide them. Um, 
And, you know, I keep asking my queen, please send me some bitches and I can set up some puppies down here. Send she me says no. the lowliest bitch is an actual quote <laughs> from the book. I know! <laughs> please, I know I stack no paper, but can I please get some bitches? You and, want some fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and eventually in the story, um, the queen sends some bitches and the bitches just say, yeah, queen's dead. Um, here we are, though. We're here to fuck. Yeah, because eventually the queen's like sect gets genocided and she's like, OK, my three lowliest bitches, you need to run now so we can like not all die. Go to those bitches that like are way off in the forest. You're going to be their bitches now. It's fine. Go stack paper over there. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's like in between this like a war between the Highland and the Lowland Curbs, and the Highland Curbs are good and nice, and the Lowland Curbs are mean and bad, and they make traps because they're mean and bad. Um, Storm pisses off the Lowland Curbs, which will become relevant later because he helps the Highland Curbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much it for part three. Uh, part four. Um, Storm and his little curb pack uh, hide in the Telshi caves while Sonny is recovering and also experiencing a depressive episode. <laughs> <coming> <laughs> literally. Yeah, yeah, she came down off that manakai and is now like, well, my leg's broken and also I'm also so This angry. is literally textually true. Mm-hmm. Like they they talk about Coden later and basically describe his personality as the DSM five <laughs> definition of no, bipolar disorder. And I literally Sonny has the exact same personalities. So no, it's so it's funny canon. when Arco has to be like, yeah, like he was always either working himself up to being crazy or working himself down to being like so <laughs> depressed. And I'm like, mm-hmm. like it's literally a whole paragraph of him going like, yeah, he's always going to one end or the other. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> real. Are <laughs> they fooling? Me, can I be? <laughs> On God, bro? It's really... Uh, it's, this book it's is a, wild. Yeah. It's a lot. So Coden was a good leader because he had bipolar disorder, and so Sonny yep. is destined to lead as well. Bipolar disorder makes you fucking undefeatable as long as you're manic <laughs> and then sad the rest of the time. Yeah, as long as this you is, like. Yeah, this is my experience also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you you're just manic, have to fucking God hide yourself away you. in a Telshi cave and talk to some zombies mm-hmm. when you're in a depressive episode, and then you yeah, come right and- back out when that manic's on, girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So that that's a big thing. <laughs> Uh, fucking Storm is entering his fucking shithead phase. Oh, oh yeah, Before we, Storm is edgy now. To- God, he's in his yeah. edgy shithead phase. It sucks so bad. Oh, before before we get to that, uh, Moreau does you know start some rumors about Roop uh, not fathering his own children. Yeah, he's like, what if he was uh, derogatory gay? Yeah, and then uh, Trees goes. Actually, here's a better rumor. He's forgotten how to top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, once again, yeah, he's like, I bet, uh, Arco, um, fucks him. And I'm over here, like, that is such a lie. You know, Roop tops Arco. Arco has to be <laughs> yeah. in charge so much that, you know, the days Roop is like, I got you, baby girl. Arco is like, thank you. It's, it's not illegal to be gay, but it, it's, it's, it's not illegal to be gay, but it is illegal to be a, a bottom. Yeah, it's ancient yeah. Rome rules. Yeah, yeah, it's classic bottom phobia. It's yeah, like, as, as long as you're not in the uh, position of the woman, it's uh, totally you're good. fine to have wartime relationships. But you know, 
Code, uh, Arcove and Roop were just so close during their war times. It makes sense. But for him to not have birthed his own children and for him to just completely forget how to top, unacceptable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Deeply fucked yeah, up. Y- yeah, you, you can't, you're not allowed to be gay because you like men. You have to be gay because you hate women. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's why Kelsey couldn't be fully gay. He likes his yeah. three weed-smoking girlfriends. <laughs> Yeah, also, Therese does have a line in there about how he'd like to uh, pin Nadine, that's the queen, down and teach her a lesson. So, boy, they're they're fun. They have a lot of um, conversations that are fun to read. Is this the, like, section where we get No, it's we're not there yet. Oh, we don't get the section where Moreau explains his condition? Not yet, boy. We're, we're, gonna, we're gonna get to Moreau. No, yeah, yeah. we will get to... <laughs> Ted Bundy and his brother, Evil Ted Bundy. Even even first more. We evil have to ta- Bundy, yeah. First, we have to talk about Storm's shithead phase. Yes. Oh my god. What song do you think is playing in Storm's head during this whole part? Oh. Crawling in. Oh, you my think it's. Crawling? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's something like that, you know? Yeah. He's so angsty and mad about, you know being isolated from his herd and not having any friends and just being so mad at those damn cats. Yeah, there's oh, like also, we you, should mention It's one incredible of- that he got like the little comb over over his eye somehow during this. <laughs> I didn't know it was possible, but he did get that comb over of his eye. Mm-hmm, one mm-hmm. of the reasons he's depressed also is because Tolly is pregnant with My- uh, Milo's foal and was like, "I don't want you to help me raise it." So he's yeah. like, fuck you guys, I'm not a fairy shaft anymore, I'm gonna go hang out with the Kurds and the Tulshi. I'm, I'm hanging out with the Kurds now. Also, he's pissed because he heard, like, offhand, someone was like, yeah, Kelsey was talking to Arkov and Charter, and he was like, so Kelsey has betrayed me too? And so he's like, fuck the fairy shaft, and then Kelsey, like, shows up one day and is like, hey, um, Arkov would like to talk. Like, yeah. Arkov would really like to talk, and he's like, yeah, I bet he would like to talk. Because you're a little bitch and I hate you. Mm-hmm. And Kelsey's like, yeah. whoa. Kelsey is literally like, hey, we can't actually go into full-on war with these cats again. That would be super fucking bad. So, like, even though these negotiations suck and we have to, like, sacrifice a lot of people, it is literally the only thing, like, keeping our species alive. Yeah, poor fucking Kelsey and Arkov are trying so hard to not have, like, actual full-out war and no one else is interested. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so this is the part where we neglected to mention every winter there is basically a hurricane that hits this uh, island landmass that they're on. Yeah. Um, And so all the animal critters uh, go up into one big cave to hide for a while. And Storm is being like a little shit because he sees them all going to the cave and he's like, yeah, you go to your fucking cave, you little shits. And he doesn't realize that the cave he's in sucks shit and is uh, prone to landslides. So he has to like while crawling is playing in his head, uh, make a angry trek to the cave after everyone goes. And another, like, Akresha is also on the path because she's late. And Storm just fucking goes crazy on her. Storm just- I fucking, hats- I fucking hate cats so much, I am going to murder one randomly. Well, I, I'm a fucking shitty little opportunist. I see someone, like, in dire need of assistance, and I'm just gonna push her right off a cliff. Yeah, just goes apeshit on this poor cat. And, uh, he, like, specifically, he's, like, hunting with the curbs earlier, and he, like, catches a seal and, like, breaks its neck and then, like, shakes it violently until, like, one of the curbs <laughs> has to be like, yo, man, 
do we need to talk? Do you need to chill? Yeah, these are and llamas. And he just does who, that to cat. To these are cat. llamas who hunt like dogs, and yeah, he does like shake up this creature and then throw it off the cliff. Yeah, so that's what he's doing. And then he sees a kitten, and he's like, oh, a little kitten, I'll help them out. Definitely, well, this, this well, is not at all relevant to the... He doesn't say, I'll help them out. What he says is, leave me the fuck alone. And then this kid's yeah. like, have you seen my mom? And he's like, ooh. Well, actually, at first, what he says is, fuck, wait, I could just kill this kitten, too. And then... <laughs> and then he, like, you know, we don't really get his point of view, but we know he decides to save the cat. Because, like, it's mm-hmm. following him through the cave when he gets there. And he's like, you need to fucking leave me alone. And the cat's like, yeah, but m- I was wondering if you saw my mommy because she was behind me on the cliff. And I wasn't I wasn't sure mm-hmm. if you were going to, like, I, I didn't see her. And Storm's like, oh, fuck. Storm's like, whoops. Oh, <laughs> Did I kill your mom? Whoops. Whoopsies. Oopsie doopsie. Yeah. And also the kitten is like, hey, you're my new mom now, because no one else has shown me even a fucking glimmer of kindness in this harsh, harsh world. And I'm only a, I'm only like a month old. I'm little tiny baby. I'm so little and tiny. And, um, my, my, my big, like the boss in my den, he's super scary. I don't like him. Big black cat is very scary and evil and does things to lost orphan cubs. And I don't want to go back to him. And we go, and storm. Storm is still in his piece of shit phase. Is like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not your mom. You have to go away. I'm gonna like fucking, I'm gonna fucking, fucking just keep moving and not pay attention for you <clears throat> to you and make you follow me around for like a day until you're bleeding out of your mouth. Yeah, and then he uh, remembers the movie Tarzan and remembers the part where that one girl was like, "I'm his mother now," and he says, "Damn, I'm his mother now." Yeah, so, like, there's a conference, he goes to that and basically just pisses off Arco. He's just like, hey, yeah. uh, you guys fucked us up and the treaty should be better and it's not, and you guys suck. Also, the there's a little have- cub following me, but don't mind him. And, like, a couple of the fairy chef try to kill this cub, and he's like, listen, that's my midnight snack. I'm saving it for later. Because I'm twisted. I'm twisted and evil. And then he leaves and the cub is following him and he's like, nah, fuck that. I don't care. But then like he's yeah. sitting in the cave and has a nightmare about his ghost mother. And then, yeah, that's when the track switches from crawling to Phil Collins. You'll be in my heart. And he runs out into the <laughs> into the storm and he hears this tiny pathetic mewing and finds Teak and has to take him up yeah. and keep him safe. The cat's name is Teak. And if you haven't noticed, he's my... He's my number one boy. Yeah, this yeah. is a Teak Stan account. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listen. Speaking as speaking as someone who adopted a kitten last year, Stan Teak, Stan Teak. We we, we Stan Teak. We are here for Teak in everything that he does. Uh huh. So yeah, the next fucking, he's doing kitten shit. He's fucking rolling around while everyone is trying to kill him. Yeah, basically, like the next part of the book is like Storm. Don't know like how small he is. Storm is like taking him around to his like allies and being like, "Look, I know he's a fucking Kreisha cub, but just like let him like stay with us until like spring, and like I'll fucking figure something out." And like people will like kind of threaten him, and he'll like do a big like puffy kitten thing and arch up and like hiss at them, and it's just like I can't my heart is gonna break for little teak here it's good writing i will say like it's per like it's every little kitten motion he does it yeah this is um around the part in the book where you can tell the uh writer of this got better at writing (laughs) um because the characters get better yeah like everyone's pretty compelling by this part in the book for sure 
Also, quite possibly, the writer got a kitten. <laughs> uh, is... Do we get, uh, um... God, what happens in this part? Okay, so... I think it's Sonny and Vala Sonny and... Sonny and, like, Vala has been, like, hanging out with Sonny in the caves for the whole time while she's been recovering, and kind of have a conversation about maybe becoming Telshis somehow? That never goes anywhere. I think they're talking about becoming Lishtis. Yeah, because I think I think it's um the Telshis are teaching Vala how to read. And Vala's reading like a cool thing on one of their cave walls that's like the names of the Telshis, and as she gets like lower, they're like, We can't read these sections. Apparently Vala can for some reason. Sure. But as she gets lower, she like notices it is switched from like I am name, I am name, and it slowly switches to we were or we have been name. Mm-hmm. And which rules. Um, and she's uh-huh. like, uh, she's like, what does this mean? Um, and there's like, in between when the big storm happens, Sony and Vala are like, trying to swim for safety, because all the Telshis are like, well, bye. Um, and they get to like, a section of the cave where they think the Telshis went, and no, it's just like, a Lishti like, sitting there chilling. Um, and... I think the Lishti menaces them. I don't really know, because it they just come back later and they're like, we're fine. Boy. There is a part where it talks about Sonny having talked to a Lishti, <laughs> I think, and Val was like, you shouldn't trust them. And she's like, yeah, but I'm crippled, so maybe I'll become one of them and that would be fine. They they seem to have a fun life down here. And Val is like, I don't know about that. Yeah, and... But by this time, Sonny is no longer crippled because uh, the whole time Storm was like, is she going to be okay? And uh, Shaw was like, I don't know. The healing waters are still doing their thing. And he's like, so she's not going to be okay? And she's like, mm-hmm. no, the healing waters are still going to do their thing. And uh, at this point in the book, uh, Sonny's like, wow, the healing waters did their thing. Yeah. Boy, I I I, I kind of want to just like fly through the rest of the plot because yeah, we're an hour in. It's been going on for a while. Yeah, it's a long book. We're we're, we're really deep in it, and we still got a lot to, left to go. So God, um, there is so much. Yeah, yeah, we should uh, run through the co- plot, and then we'll um we'll we'll get into favorite moments, and then we can really get yeah. into the the nitty gritty. So Arkov gives Treese a daddy speech about, you know, uh, you know, how before he became king, like everything sucked super bad and like he needs to respect his elders, but also I see potential in you. Uh, and it's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you, like, your own little kingdom, and we will be equals, but, and, and, because I believe in you as a leader, that's, this isn't gonna come back to bite me. Um, no, it'll be great. Also, we, we, yeah, also we learn a little bit more about, about Treese's brother Moreau, aka Ted, Ted Bundy, and how he loves killing children and doing experiments on them for fun. Yeah, there's like a part where, uh, during this, uh, Treese is like, damn, um, you gotta like take a mate. And Moreau's like, I don't want to take a mate. And he's like, no, you gotta because people might think you're gay. And he's like, fine, I will. And then it's like, every time he takes a mate, there, he only takes like the sick and the injured. And whenever he does, they come back super fucked up. And he's like, hey, man. You gotta, like, chill a little bit. And yeah, like, it says he comes back with one mate, or, like, he gets a mate, and then every time they do mate, he leaves, like, really bad bite marks on her to the point where the other cats are like, hey, 
what the fuck? And Therese is like, hey, stop that. And then that cat, his mate disappears. And then it's just like, yeah, two or three like disappear every year. Two or three really young ones. So like, that's what Moreau's up to. Yeah, he's just um doing serial rape out there, which is just delightful. Yeah. Yeah, and we're, we're, so we kind of gather around this point that Moreau is the one that, uh, cause Teak does say that his, like, alpha or whatever was Treese, so we're supposed to get the idea that what he was running from was Moreau, because he was, like, an orphan cub, and he knew that mm-hmm. he was gonna get, like, fucking cut open for experiments. Yeah, this is also the part where Moreau, after cutting up some kids, was just like, I was putting snakes in them. And what he was doing was he was experimenting with evil ghost vines mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to see if they could get them the taste of blood on other cats so he could also yeah. trap them. Yep. And also see if the, he could use those vines to turn them into lichties, which he can. God, they're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when we get to the final battle here, it's, um, it I'm not rules. sure, I'm not sure why the zombies didn't just, like, take over. I'm not sure why the Lishties didn't just win this fight outright. Because it's also kind of like a Hobbit thing where she gets to the war and the whole final battle happens and she's like, anyways, the aftermath, <laughs> yeah, which anyway, also kind of rules. No, I like it. Like, it, you know, they're gonna win. It works. It's but just it's- like, you guys don't need to hear this. It doesn't matter. Yeah, so we we cut ahead to, like, the next council meeting, like, you know, Storm's been living his life with his little baby Teak. Uh, uh Tali's hanging out with him again. Yeah, the, the act of parenthood, like, redeems him, and he becomes less of a piece of shit, and, you know, <laughs> is starting to rebuild some of his relationships. Yeah, and he, uh, you know, I, and I will he goes, say he and Tali raising Myla and Teak is actually pretty cute. Yeah, it is. They have fun uh, together. So, you know, then he goes to the Winter Council meeting and, you know, he's actually there to talk and to play ball. And, you know, they're, 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 you know, doing like a good faith negotiation. Uh, but it still, it seems like Arkov's not going to really budge on anything. Uh, and then just like Treese attacks the council and starts a big war and everything is fucked up. Yeah. What happens is they like, I forget if they go into a recess or like, oh no, they're like, they're standing in a spot where they can see all the fairy shaft. And, like, at one point, they, like, look, and they're like, yep, still about a thousand down there, which is too much. And then they look again, and they're like, that's only, like, a hundred. Yeah, they're, they're like, we should probably go check on what the fuck that is. They get to a and point as they get down, like- they just see bodies of other, uh, Krisha, and they're like, ah, shit. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the soundtrack in Treese's head is, has switched to let the bodies hit the floor. Yeah. Go- really going off. Yeah, it's just fucking banging in there. <laughs> Um, so what has happened is, <laughs> Trees has used the council since Arkov would be away and have most of his generals with him to, uh, use his clutter of cats and a few of the others from other clutters who are also pretty sickos. And he killed some of the guards and then, like, whipped the fairy shaft into a frenzy and uh while they were frenzying, the other Kresha got trampled by Fairy Shaft, and then he would just pick off what's left. And he's keeping them in, like, a little clearing and being like, I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna eat them if you guys don't come and get them. And also the lowland curbs are here because they're like, we're sickos. Yeah, they're like, Storm stopped us from yeah. genociding the highland curbs, so we're fighting with Treese now. And yeah, ba- so basically they stampede the fairy shaft into this, like, little corner, and um, 
Are, did they get him to Kui Island? I don't remember where they went. No, they don't go to Kui Island. They just go um, to like first. It's supposed to <laughs> there be there like, is no map. So it's supposed to, to be, be clear. A, it's supposed to be like a clearing of like battles or whatever uh-huh. because Treese is like one v one Miarko. There's definitely no trickery afoot, and um, and so they get him there, and so Arkov is like, I'm gonna fucking go ape shit. I'm also I'm, I'm, also don't forget, uh, you know they you know. Storm has to like lead all of like the the uh, you know everyone at the council like both the fairy shaft and the Kreisha officers like into a, like a little hiding spot that he found just to like escape like the immediate chaos and keep yeah. everyone from dying because the uh, lowland curbs a- are like hey we're gonna kill Storm Arkov you're good though and Arkov is like I'm definitely walking into a trap and Storm's like I do you a solid if you do me a solid and he's like sure. Yeah, and then and then there's like a big avalanche, and everyone gets separated, and Arkov just kind of wanders into the Telshi caves. What that's no, about. you forget one important part. Sorry, two important uh-huh. parts. They go into a little cave that uh, Storm was able to hide from Rup in one time, and oh, during this, yeah. Charter and Arkov talk about how they both think each other are poggers. Yeah, they're fucking bitter enemies. Yeah, there's also a part that I zeroed in on, which is uh, the deer. Like, hey, it's the middle of the day. You guys are tired, so you should get some rest. And Arkov and Rup just cuddle in the corner. <laughs> oh yeah, every and, like, time it, it takes like great pains to be like, yeah, they slept with each other, and I'm just like, uh huh, yeah, they did. So many times throughout this book, it mentions Arkov going to sleep and Root curling up back to back like they did when they were cubs. And, and I'm like, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Charter and Arkov, because Charter promised Arkov, he's like, hey, if you give in to our demands, I'll tell you the secret about uh, Storm. And the secret is that he's uh, Coden's uh, great-grandson, because uh, what whatever the child's name was at the start yeah. of the book survived and Yeah, Lishti survived and had Sofet. And yeah. Sofet is uh Storm's mom. Storm's mom. This'll be important later. I won't talk about it yet. But I don't we'll want to fucking there. get into it. We'll fucking get there. <laughs> um but yeah, after an avalanche caught by Lowland Curbs, uh you know, Arkov just goes on a li- takes a little trip in our favorite rocket ship called uh Mind Control mm-hmm. and oh enters boy. the uh Tell she caves, and remember so that funny revenge song. Remember, finished. Yeah, there's like a part where like Storm is just like at the mouth of the cave, and Rup is like freaking out. He's like, he's fucking in there. I don't know why he's in there. Uh, there's a big hole in there that he's definitely down in, and I don't know if I can get out. And Storm's like, okay, I'll go get him, and you guys, uh, just I don't know, go after trees. Uh, so Storm goes in and he finds. Arkov and Shaw and uh, Keisha and Sonny and Bala. Keisha is just killing the god. Yeah. Arkov is in a hole filled with water just paddling. Uh, It's assumed (laughs) he's been there for hours. Like, he's just paddling. And Storm is like, hey man, uh, he's gonna fucking drown. Can you get him out? And Keisha's like, no, he's not gonna drown. And then just like pushes his tail and pushes him under and Storm's like, he's drowning. He's like, no, he can't drown because I'm crushing him physically. I crushed his lungs so he can't pull any water into them. Don't (laughs) worry. So he's not drowning. You need to inhale in order to drown my dude. (laughs) So Storm is like, hey, I need him. Can you pull him out? We we got a thing happening. And Keisha's like, well, I like you, so I will. And he pulls him out and... Arkov is like dead as fuck, my dude. And so 100%. Keisha is like, Storm is like, he's dead, asshole. Why'd you do that? And he's like, no, watch this. 
and he sings his song and fucking Arco just rises from the grave full of terror and pain and <laughs> Keisha's like, well, you got him for a day. He comes back to life only so that he can suffer more and die more. Yeah, this is um, this is the Telshi war crime section of the book, which is just Keisha going, yeah, I invented a song that will keep Arkov alive as long as I want to torture him, and then it will kill him. So yeah. that's what I've done. The rest of this part is like Arkov coming back to some semblance of personhood. Like, he Storm is leading him away, and Arkov is clearly like, in a fugue state. Like, he keeps oh, yeah. referring like, to him as, yeah. like, Roop. He doesn't know where he is. He's, like, barely able to walk. Very delirious and dying. Yeah. And he has to go, he has to go fight Trees. It'll yeah. be fine. So he eventually, like, they get out of the cave, and he's trying to put on a brave face, but, like, there's one part where they're, like, running to Trees, and he stumbles slightly, and Roop's like, he never does that shit. What happened? And Storm's like, can't say. And Roop is like, I'm going to fucking freak out. Tell me what happened. So they fight Treese and um, Arkov is pretty evenly matched with Roop. And Roop is like, yeah, that's not supposed to happen. Roop should obliterate this man instantly. Um, eventually, a trap is sprung where Arkov gets put in some sexy vines and Roop hates that shit. Uh, they're able to get away. The book kind of cuts away to, uh, back where they're at Arkov's cave. That's mm -hmm. well defended. And it goes for, Roop is now doing nanny shit. Uh, Storm is just chilling. And Arkov is suffering <laughs> in the back of the cave. Yeah. Um, this is the part where Keisha just kind of shows up because he can. And he's like, oh, Arkov, I'm you here. You sing more of my song for you? It'll keep you a little more alive <laughs> This is now. where we learn the song that Keisha devised is, um, when he sings it, it causes Arkov horrible, intense pain and uh, inflicts him with a status curse yes. that kills him. But it also uh, is a healing spell that uh, rejuvenates Arkov, but will kill him eventually. And uh, Keisha's like, yeah, so you either let me sing my song to completion and it'll kill you, or you keep coming back, and each time you do, you will get rejuvenated, but you will begin to wither really quickly. Uh, so that's for you. He's not allowed- Really, really went Joker mode with this one, huh? Yeah. Yeah, Keisha is off his shits. Um, he's so fucking mad. <laughs> he's I, like, I hate you so much. I love that this is what Keisha was working on for this time. He's like, no, I'm not gonna, like, take revenge on all of the Kreisha or, like, any it's of It's just this bullshit. guy. I am just going just to torture Arco forever and ever until I get tired of it. And then I'm going to kill him in the most horrible way possible. Uh -huh. Um, mm -hmm. while this is going on, they're not allowed to tell Roop because Arco knows that Roop will probably go genocide mode if he learns what they did to his boyfriend. Uh -huh. Um, yeah. So Roop is just going insane during this entire part where he's like, what the fuck is wrong with him? And everyone's just like, I don't know. And he's like, I am freaking out. Um, so this part of the book, I really like the tension between uh, Keisha and Arkov, actually, because this is a lot of where Keisha is, like, expecting Arkov to be, like, just, like, exactly, exactly as he was 15 years ago when he was, like, or 20-something years ago. We'll get to that. Uh, when he was, like, you know, young and outnumbered and afraid and lashing out and he keeps coming to him and being like okay so listen you can kill me that's fine but don't let Roop know because you 
they're going to have to work with the fairy shaft. And if Roop knows that you killed me, he's not going to work with them. And if I'm gone, I won't be able to get him on your side. And so he's just trying to politically work everything like, you know. God, Rockhope is so good. <laughs> so that like he can still die and appease Keisha, but Keisha cannot look like the bad guy to Arco's friends. And like Keisha's like not having this. He's like, you can't control everything from beyond the grave, but you can tell there's like niggling like growing respect there for him and it's a very cool dynamic yeah because like Arkov is constantly dying and shitting and he has to always make it seem like Keisha is coming to heal him when Roop like knows Keisha did something to him but he can't tell what so it's just like Arkov being like no when I die you tell him that you tried to heal me but I suffered from wounds that you could not see and uh I died horribly and that's just that and Keisha Keisha's like, no! Keisha's like, no, I want to take credit for this. Keisha's like, this song is so bass, I'm gonna take credit. I'm gonna release the mixtape, it won't hurt anybody else, but, like, <laughs> everyone should know that this is the song that killed Arkov, and Arkov's yeah, like, no, 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 we need peace, Roop is gonna go genocide mode if you do that, you gotta not do that. Um, this is where they get into the part where, uh, they're like, damn, if only we had a fortified stronghold to stay to guard against trees and storm is like oh i got that i have the funny rock that gets us a fortified stronghold and they're like why remember that amulet from way back in the beginning of part three it opens a special cave that you can hide in yeah it's sick as fuck so they use a cool maneuver where they go by mist to sneak past trees because they're based actually uh and they get into the fortified stronghold fortified stronghold this is around the time uh, where we learn there are murals on the walls of all the civilized, the smart, intelligent races uh, holding hands and singing Kumbaya, and the cats are off in the corner looking evil and sucking shit. Yeah, j- just off in the bushes being menacing. Yeah, Teek is very sad about this. He's like, no pictures of us. He and- starts taking a little rock and starting to carve himself into the murals mm-hmm. because the only representation of Kreacha is like dark eyes in the darkness. Um, and this is he's also part where, fi- he, yeah, he's, he's writing, writing self-insert fanfic, and it's very yeah. good. This is the part where Arkov is back to dying and shitting and farting, and Keisha's like, hey, man, if you just ask, I could heal you again, and Arkov's like, eat shit. Um, and he's also, like- Also, Moro becomes a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is around the time where all the fairy shaft are driven to an island, because Moro wants to make a ghost wood on this island, because he's a sicko. Pathar is like, I will be the first to die. And Moreau's like, no, <laughs> for some reason. Because he he's knows like, when the Voluntaros are coming. Yeah, he's like, no, I'll kill Tali. And then uh, Sonny and Vala do some sick shit. Um, and this is around the time Moreau gets his like shit kicked in a little bit. And so the Lishti the just like hop in there. They're like, hey, man, what's up? How you doing? How are you having a great time? We're just going to peruse your memories. And he's like, I don't like yeah. this at all. And yeah. they're like, too bad. We're going to assimilate you. Don't we see Pathar become one first, though? Yeah, they like get into Pathar and like Moreau's like, oh, no. And then they get into Moreau and now there's like a zombie army. Yes. And the Lishti are like, wow, you sure have a lot of funny serial killer memories. Wow, you're a sicko. File this is- those away. They're like, damn, I love the Dahmer series on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um... I love true crime. Yeah, this is basically Moreau, like, being, like, me sewing, hell yeah, turning the Lishti into something that can, like, 
that can take over a four-legged creature. And then him uh, reaping when the Lishti can take over his four-legged figure. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is... So that happens. Yeah. Then... Around the time, Sonny and Vala and Kelsey and I think Storm's shitty stepdad, honestly, are all like... No, debating- Storm's shitty stepdad is the one who's like, uh, no, fuck this. Yeah, no, because they're all like, we should, we should fight. And uh, Storm's shitty stepdad is like, no, what if we uh, make a new herd and then start killing their kids again? And I'm just like, God, the fairy chefs suck so much ass. They um, suck so bad. They suck so bad. Um, we go back to Arkov, who is dying in the, like, fortress. And Keisha's like, hey, man, if you just ask, I could heal you again. And Arkov is like, eat my entire asshole, dude. And so he's dying in there. Roop is freaking out at this point because mm-hmm. he's like, my boy my darling boy is dying and he describes his dramatic sad and sensual backstory yeah he 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 tells Roop's backstory about being a, an absolute fucking shonen protagonist so the thing we haven't yeah, this is naruto is this rules yeah, arc of rules have, yeah the thing we haven't mentioned about Roop is that Roop was raised by fairy shaft and was coden's brother and then eventually like War had to go back to uh you know had to go back, had to sneak away because he would have been killed by the fairy shaft doing a bunch of weird experiments on him. Yeah, we Once say raised. the worst. We say raised. What happened was Pathar just kidnapped a kid because he wanted to see what would happen. Yeah, Pathar kind of took him in, and then everyone else in the in the like fairy shaft herd was like, "Can Krisha eat poison? Yeah. Can Krisha eat dirt? Breathe what underwater? We, what if we kicked them in the head a bunch? What would happen <laughs> yeah. then?" <laughs> so he had the worst childhood ever. He goes, you know, with Coden's help, he goes back to Leashwood, where the, all the cats live, and he meets the first, you know, cat he meets is Arkov, and Arkov is like, hey, you talk like a fairy shaft, you gotta stop that, you will be killed, it is a harsh fucking brutal world out there, and I will protect you from all of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love him so much. Oh my god. <laughs> um... So yeah, it talks about them being on the run because Arkov challenged a leader because he didn't like the way things were being run. So like they have Uh, to kind of set up their own clutter and den and it's just them against the world. It was literally the leader was like abusing, I think, like Arkov's siblings. Like he was actively killing Arkov's siblings and Arkov beat his ass. The thing thing that the Krisha used to do before Arkov was in charge, like, you know. Would just kill their kids. yeah, they just kill their kids. Like if you if you if you spot a lady that you you fancy, you gotta kill her husband and her kids, and then you know she'll be she'll be your new wife. That's how it works. Yep. Yep. And so Arkov wasn't having none of that shit. He killed his. Arkov was like, "Hey, stepdad. I'm a kid. I don't want to be murdered, so I'll just kill this guy who killed both my siblings. I'm two years old. It's fine." Yeah, but the I can just do that. The clutter. He was I'm the in. fucking coolest ever. I know. The clutter he was in was like, oh, damn, there's going to be retaliation because you killed one of the, like, council members of the ruling, like, creature right now. And there's going to be retaliation for that. And Arkov's like, I'll just fucking go ape shit on everybody. It's fine. Yeah. So we spent, like, three years just killing, like, anyone who came to challenge him. Yeah. <laughs> Like, fucking killing people and also beating people in fights to, like, get them to his side. He has he is having a Luffy One Piece journey. God, he's so cool! And also remember that this Success. is this is also while the fairy shaft are going out of their way to come in and kill <laughs> all the cubs, like, in the springtime. So... Yeah, so he's like, I won't be surrounded, because we gotta remember his nights were 
Krisha coming for him during the night, and during the day, him having to fight off Fairy Shaft to survive. Mm-hmm. It is, it rules. He's hard as fuck is the thing. <laughs> the thing about Arkham is that he fucks hard is, like, um, the issue that I'm having with this whole entire book being, like, Arkham's the villain, and every time he's on screen, I'm like, give me more of that boy. Yeah. What's going on? Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit, yeah, it's Arkham. Arkham, like, at this point, um, at, like, age of five, like, returns to the council, beats one of the council members, and is like, I'm on the council now. And then, like, a year later... Beats like years, I'll be fucking king of this place. Yeah, and he is, and he is, and then he goes on. He's like, now I'm gonna take care of those fucking fairy shaft. And it turns out he like one point like yeah. no, he becomes the king. Talks he with Coden. He completely reforms society so that it's illegal to murder children like you used to be able to do. He God. gives women some rights, like. <laughs> He rules the war against the fairy shaft. Yeah, at one point he even said, like, yeah, we, him and Coden, we and Coden, like, had, like, a peace talk. And Coden was in one of his manic episodes. Yeah, Coden was was manic and not depressive, so it was really hard. Coden was not hearing it. Also, Arkov and Roop, Arkov became best friends with Coden because, like, you know, eventually, like, you know, because he loved Rupe and so Coden much. met back up. Yeah, he Arkov was there, so yeah, they just become like a l- cute little thruple. I, it's, it's so fucking good. I love Arkov and Rupe so much. Rupe is like yeah. telling the story emotionally, and like we get to the end of it, which is basically like Coden wouldn't have none of it, none of P talks. So war was basically inevitable, and like. It turns out yeah. Arkov has been, like, sh- a shambled mess just in the corner. Just like, yeah, that was our fucking story. Why are you telling it, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, also, like, yeah, he's, like, yeah, the, you know, kind of like, you know, in the middle of the war, like, Coden and Roop were, like, s- still secretly going to hang out and, like, being brothers. And, like, you know, during that final, you know, peace talk... He just kind of, like, fucking learned that, oh, actually, Coden doesn't really see Kresha as people. I'm just one of the good ones. Literally! That's going to create a fucking huge rift between us, and it's going to mean that this war is not going to end peacefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has to, like, make the sad realization that, like, the person he was raised with is just like, yeah, you're, like, the only one I count as a person, and that's just barely. The fairy shaft are so bad. They suck so bad. (laughs) Um, So what happens here is that they're like, damn, how are we going to win this war? Keisha heals Arkov a little bit. um, And it turns out uh, Roop's wife gathered all of the women uh, and she sent Roop's cool dog that Roop just has. Well, I think... I think Roop's wife gathered, like, Halvory and all of them and sent them along. No, Halvory is on the island with them. Oh, okay. I remember that what what uh, what she does is she sends her little pet called Friendly, uh, who's an Uri, which is like a something. A cool dog. Yeah, it's like, it's I don't like know. A house it's, it's her pet. So, but she like <laughs> had it, dog. she had it go and gather all of the like living and like loyal to Arkov uh den mothers cats yeah and like had it go all around to them and like get their scent on them and then send it to Roop who could be like okay I smell all these scents so these people are still alive and they're waiting to rejoin the fight and Nadine had like I don't remember like where that divide is but Nadine gathered like is like all the den mothers are on her side because she's really mm-hmm. loyal to Arcove and she gets them all to like join the fight on her side yeah and so they have to figure out damn how are we gonna like 
leave this island so we can coordinate attack with the dead mothers at the same time so we can, like, beat trees. And they're like, damn, I don't know if we're going to be able to do that. But at that same time, all the fairy shaft begin to howl because Sonny is badass and cool, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, from here, it just skips past the entire war, actually. Um, yeah, basically it goes, happens. and then there was a battle, and then we're going to get into the epilogue. Have fun with that. The epilogue is Storm was fighting some lowland curbs, and then he survived He survived drowning uh, because Tolly pulled him out. And he's like, sorry, your, low- your highland curb friend, dead as fuck, got obliterated. Um, but Teak's still alive, and I'm still alive, so we can be a family. And, and Storm- Shaw saved Teak, even though Shaw hated Teak, and yeah. that was sweet. Um, and Shaw is definitely not infected with Lishti, even though the last time we saw her, she was going what she was going. I was Shaw, and that's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I couldn't read that. I wasn't sure. I have no idea what's going on. That is that like a future yeah, thing? Me either. I don't know if Shaw is actually infected or if Keisha knows enough about Lishti that he was able to heal her. Because I know that, like, Keisha is like, nobody touched this fucking body and takes it into the... And takes it into a special zone. Because I think, does it, is it Arkov or Storm who has to be like, hey, Keisha, don't it's freak Arco. out right now. Yeah, yeah it's he has Arco. to, like, Arco talk has him to be down like, so... from his, like, weird torpor state. And he's like, okay, you have to wake up and you have to save your friend here. And yeah, then, because Arkov has to s- stick his funny little teeth into uh, uh, Keisha, and Keisha's like, fine. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Keisha decides that Arkov gets to live, and writes a different ending. Yeah, writes a different ending for his cool diss track. Yeah, he does a new special song. Yeah. He wrote, he rewrote the ending, but basically He's so pissed about it, too. That fucking scene is him, like, drawing him out into the water and being like, I'm trying to distract you from your coming death. It's fine. Don't worry about it. And Arco's, like, trembling in fear and so scared. And he, like, pulls him into the water and sings this song of, like, undying, untold agony. And it's a really long song. And he basically tortures him for a while. And then Arco's like, wait, I didn't die. And he's like, yeah, I changed the ending. He's like, yeah, I changed the ending. You do get to live. And he's like, yeah, he's like well, you, you um, get to live, but I get to amend your constitution some, and you have to learn to read. You, you all have to- Okay, we haven't even talked about the, like, uh, the reading propaganda in this book, but it is really funny how a big subplot of this book is the reason tells she don't like Kresha is they can't read. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all the other, like, races on the island get to read and are able to communicate with each other. Like, Storm has been no- noticing markings all over the island, that are that is language uh, and it's like we learned that the Kresha just don't know how to fucking read and that's why everyone hates them and the Kresha didn't they the Kresha don't read and furthermore in the treaty they were like the fairy shaft are not allowed to read anymore you can't teach them to read so that's like the- so yeah. we have to get to the most important relationship of this which is Sofet comes up to charter after mm-hmm. all this mm-hmm. and um is like hey uh, I remember that you were the only kind face in my life because Charter earlier is like, yeah, I raised Sofet to like the age of two, which in this world is basically like 13 years old in like human yeah. years. Um, and it's like, I had to distance myself because I you're, thought you would kill old, her instantly. You're um, old enough to lead a revolution at two years old. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And so she comes up to Charter who by is like over 20 years old. Um, yeah, he was like five or so when he sha- when he saved Lishti, who we remember is Sofet's mom. Lirsi. 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 Lishti okay. is the cool Lishti guys. Lishti is a different Lishti thing. is the, yeah. There's a lot of names, yeah. don't worry. The Lishti are the, the zombie 
guys, and they're pretty cool. Zombie jellyfish who yeah. I'm obsessed yeah. with. So Lyrsi, uh is, yeah, is Sofet's mom. Charter saved Lyrsi when he was, like, you know, five-ish. So then, like, two years later, Sofet is born, and he helps raise Sofet a little bit and then distances himself. And so at the end of this story, Sofet comes to Charter and is like, hey... You deserve a mate. And so they settle down. And, and Charter's kid. like, but but I'm past breeding age. And she's like, I've been with a lot of uh, uh, fairy shaft that can breed. And you know what? I just want I something steady. Beautiful. I already have two beautiful deranged kids. That's plenty. Of I already have two bipolar children. <laughs> I just want to settle down now. And there's I carry a specific- the bipolar gene clearly, so maybe maybe that's fine. It's, there's a literally a part where it's like, and winter came around, and Sofet did not fall, but that was all right. And I'm just like, I'm gonna fucking scream. No, because I'm pretty sure the next season she does. Does she? Yeah, it's like that first season she didn't, but then like later on when they're doing more epilogue stuff, it's like, oh, so Fett's pregnant. No, no, it's not. Married good. her dad. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, like the dad fucking, who abandoned her. Like, <laughs> I fucking hate the fairy shafts so much. Yeah, they're not good. Um, also, the, the end of the book is Charter just like teaching Arkov how to read and write, and Arkov being like, "And I shall now write our history." Because he's based, actually. I have to talk about the other mess in the epilogue. Mm, what is it? So there's one where Roop and Halvory are talking about Arcove. It's oh my god! Before Arcove mm. is going to die. And the way they dance around the, um, like, like he's like, oh, you understand oh. me and Arcove's relationship. He literally, Wink! He literally, sa- he literally says, you and, uh, you and Arcove would have beautiful cubs, but you know, not like in a gay way, way or anything. Like, what if your cubs and Arcove's cubs? Okay, you, never mind. He like, it says like, you're like, he looks at one of, um, I think he looks at one of like, cause Roop is like taking care of a few cubs and he's like, wow. That one is almost as dark as Arcove, and Rupa's is like, "Huh, I didn't notice." And Alvary is like, "Yeah, it's like your cubs and his cubs would be like very striking together." And he's like, mm, "Yeah, I didn't notice." Um, there's also like a part where yeah, because I don't remember if it's here or now, but there is a thing like somewhere in this epilogue where it's confirmed that like Rupe and Arco's children got together, like two of them. So then, like one of those pups has like Arco's and Roop's features, and they're like, "Wow, that's so great that that happened." There's also a we part we where, were like, able to have a kid together. There's also like a big Roop is gay as fuck because um one of his like subordinates is like a female like lion that like has had trouble having kids, and Halvory is like, "Damn, I don't know how you can stand it, man." And he's like, "What?" And he's like, "She's always in like she's always in heat, like always, like she's always just putting out there." I fucking and, forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, and like Rupa's like, "Huh, I didn't notice." And that guy's like, "How could you?" Like all of your clutter is like on edge all the time because she is so breedable all the time, and you should. Really just breed her. And he is just like, I never- You should wife her up. And Rupa's is just like, why? Rupa's is just like, I feel like that would be like against like, I think that would be like, you know, a conflict of interest a little bit. And like, Halvory's like, no, she like wants it bad, dude. He's like, I don't know. I don't think I ever noticed. Like, I don't get that feeling from her. And he's like, oh my God. That conversation's yeah. so funny because it doesn't go anywhere. 
Yeah, they just, just drop it. It's just Halvory apologizing for being like, I thought you were a fairy chef fucker, and I'm sorry. I didn't know your backstory. And then he goes, you know, that girl that's always in heat, I know she can't, like, have children, but you should still let her in your den. You should still fuck her. And he and Rupa's that's like, right. I never noticed. Somehow we completely skipped over Rupa's actual wife. Yeah. I did. She is the one who brings, she has the pets. So she's yeah. Cool. Yeah, she has a cool Yeah, dog. she is like over she is just like off to the side there, like learning about genetics and not interacting with everyone. Yeah, Rube collected like one woman who's like fucks to survive, but also is just like, yeah, we fuck occasionally, but mostly I'm just here learning about genetics. She's just like, yeah, I'm just off in my cave doing punnet squares. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, just like off, you know, just off doing selective breeding and just like domesticating a few species of animals. No big deal. Yeah, she has cool She's like, yeah, like I kill one of the more aggressive rats and the rest of them become more friendly. And I like raising my rats and I'm like, okay, She's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. And also like it is extremely like portrayed as like Roop and her uh, relationship being like one of convenience. Because she's just like, okay, this guy is really chill. If I fuck him and have some kids, like no one will bother me about it. And Roop is just like, yeah, she's, you know, she's all right. It keeps the allegations away. But it is really funny that it does say that they do have their, their one conflict is that they don't know whether Lindy, who is the like infertile beta, whether or not she mm-hmm. is like higher in the hierarchy than her because it's mm-hmm. like gender politics. Yeah. They mostly just avoid each other. And I'm like, that's sad. Nadine and Arkov and uh, Rupe have a nice polycule going. But also they, you know, Nadine and Rupe do both like turn directly to the camera and be like, no, we do fuck though. Those are Rupe's kids. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Oh my god. Don't worry, you know, she's we we still do have to escape the uh the allegations. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. They literally both have wives specifically to escape the allegations. Mm-hmm. It's the most blatant we fuck to survive. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Um hey, that's, so do we want to Yeah, we, we want to get into our ratings. Could we are okay. Are we done with like favorite moments and stuff? I think so. Okay. Yeah. I think we kind of did it as we went into it. We, I want to get into our ratings, and then I want to touch on the sequels a little bit, because that's also a conversation. So, let's get to our ratings. Absolutely. What do we think? What do we think about No Hetero? I mean, come on. Come They're on. They're definitely fucking right. They definitely they fucking. so bad. Come on. God. It is, this is uh, from a writer who has definitely started, like, the gender relations of like a lot of cultures honestly but like mm-hmm. specifically the one comes to mind is ancient rome where it was a lot of like you could be gay as long as you like understood that you had to do your role as the man and have a family and you weren't like in the position of the woman and this is so much like arkov and roop are fucking Mm-hmm. But as long as no one knows which one is the bottom, A, and B, <laughs> as long as they fulfill their duties as men and have a family, it's all right. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And I- all the, like, low-grade homophobia that comes with that, with, like, Teresa's added, like, thing where he's just like, I mean, yeah, they're probably fucking, but it's bad if one of them is the bottom. Mm-hmm. Also, also, I think we skipped over a scene where Arkov is still dying, and he's just like, oh, Roop, was it worth it? Did we have to- Oh my god, I was gonna mention that! 
did we have to get into politics and me become king and fucking uh, completely overhaul society for the better? Uh, couldn't we have just like fucking fucking just denned together and f- fucked the same women so we don't know whose cubs are whose? What if we fucked the same women? It would be like fucking each other. I, what I, I, the I, fuck? I, I was. I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm sorry I yelled. I, yes, I was gonna, because we like took that break and I was sitting there and I was like, damn, we, I didn't get into my favorite moments, which is Arcove in like the throes of death mm-hmm. in a fugue state being like, oh, Roop. Why did we not simply we, share a woman? <laughs> what if we like, what if we, what if we fucked one woman so that we could fuck each other and no one could tell if we're not fucking? Why didn't we do that? Why didn't we just like live in gay bliss together and away from all this politics? And Roop had to be like, because you're- <laughs> They want to bone down so bad, but they don't know how. Oh my god, I was freaking out about that part. I love how specifically it's like, no, they're fucking. What they want more desperately than anything is to breed each other. And they can't do it. <laughs> both they of them just, are like, I so want sad. your kids they can't so do it. bad. They are both like, I would have your babies if you- if society and genetics allowed me to and i want to so bad they're both so bad to have each other's kids it is insane every time they're on screen talking to each other or talking to another character who knows about them they're just like oh my god but i just mm, i really want to have your kids i do love that that is the big payoff to roop's wife being like yeah i love like genetics and like watching like you know like if these two made their like recessive traits will come out she doesn't say recessive traits but that's what she's Mm -hmm. talking about and like then the culmination of that being like oh roop and arkov's grandchild their common grandchild looks like both of them I, it is. It's funny. It's like. And it's not even like it feels accidental. It is like the language of the book has to keep dancing around that fact. Mm-hmm. Like the final conversation of Halvory and Roop just being like, Halvory being like, I know what's going on. And I know you don't want to say it. And I don't want to say it. But, you know, it's fine if you do. There's a part where Halvory is even like, I just realized what's going on. Because he's like, yeah, when I first met you guys, I wanted that relationship that you and Arkov had. And I thought if I was just like a really good council member, I could get that. But now I know it's different. Yeah, now I realize the nature of your relationship <laughs> and I could never have had that. And I'm like, wait, are, are you saying what? And then Roop, because Roop's response is like, oh, you see the nature of our relationship and you understand? Like, it's... Rube is just like, is this a good you understand, or I'm gonna have to gut you right here yeah. and now you understand? Oh my goodness, it's it so is, much. Oh my god, this is a this is easily a five. It like, is a five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about no homo? This is a tough one because I. It feels like no <laughs> homo in the sense that real life is no homo. You know. Yeah. That, like, real history is no homo. It's, like, filled with people who are clearly in relationships with each other, but because society is like, no, you have to, like, fulfill a gender role, they're like, yeah, we will, but also everyone just knows we're also homo with each other. Like, it feels so much like that. It's interesting that it's really not trying to beat the allegations. It's straight up like, yeah, no, like, they... I mean, like, the characters themselves are. It's very much... 
it feels intentional in a way that, like, you know... A lot of the things we cover don't. Yeah, some of our stuff stumbles into yeah. it, where we're like, they think they're best friends, but really maybe they should explore, you know? You know, it's Each like that. Each bodies, yeah. Yeah. But Naruto like, and Sasuke, yeah. Yeah. So this one is literally just like, yeah, no, they both recognize very early on like one of our first interactions with Nadine as a character is her going you know sometimes I'm a little jealous of uh um of uh Rube uh because like he's the only one who really gets Arco's attention oh my god and like very early on it's like that this is very much like uh uh, Sakura looking at (laughs) (laughs) looking at naruto being like i sorry i'm not him yeah this is what i imagine uh naruto and sasuke and sakura's relationship relationship is like in baruto mm-hmm. i'm just like yeah sakura knows when sasuke's in town specifically to fuck naruto and then dip again <laughs> um uh but yeah also like Man, I I I I do kind of want to like rate it higher just because like it is getting like so close and still like still like being in denial about it. It is still like, you know, they still had to have that little scene where it's like, no, Arkov d- or Roop does fuck his wife. Don't worry. Yeah, because like, I think that's what the weirdest thing about that conversation is for me because it does feel like Calvary is going, "Yeah, I see what's going on between you and Arkov, but you and really is- should you really should have uh your your one beta who's just fucking ovulating all the time in your uh <laughs> yeah. she should you should fuck her even if you can't breed you should fuck yeah, her def- yeah it's definitely like wow I, I I recognize your like gay relationship over here also what if you what if you wifed another woman <laughs> just saying what if you had two mates and none of them were what if you publicly? beat the allegations a little bit more uh huh uh huh it is weird and like also there is just like this very this thread, like, throughout the entire book, and even a little bit into the sequels, mm. where it is, like, like, reproduction is, like, the thing that, like, validates a relationship, you know? It is yeah. very, like, breeding-focused, uh-huh. which is, like, kind of relevant to the plot, is, like, population numbers are, like, a really relevant and contested thing, sort of central to a lot of the conflict. Also, like, everyone is just thinking about, like, who they're gonna fuck and make babies with, you know? Yeah, it is near constant. I just... I think that is what interests me about this book's, like, queer bait specifically, because it is, like, such a, you know, like, like, I'm not hating, like, writing, you know, a fantasy book about animals for your breeding kink is great and all that. Like, (laughs) I'm all for this. But, like, it is funny to be talking about this when it's clear that, like, Arcove and Rube have, like, a romantic relationship, and what they really want is to breed each other. Mm -hmm. Like, that is the part of their relationship that they can't overcome is so interesting (laughs) in talking about this as a queer bait, because it's like, okay, they're not really- to We're validate it this, in the like, way where like in this world in this society where everyone validates the relationship by having kids where storm like storm's weird concession with tully is that he's like yeah i don't have a kid with tully mm-hmm. so we're not like true like mates but we're raising kids together and that's good enough for me that's like storm's character growth is he learns to think above breeding and that's, yeah. like, that's <laughs> all that Roop and, like, Arkov want is, like, to validate their relationship. They're, like, we need to be able to breed one another, but we can't. So it's going to be the pseudo thing all the time. 
Yeah. And we're going to get as close to it as we possibly can, which is just fucking so close that our kids <laughs> fuck, so no one can tell the difference. God. I do like the one time, the, it's so fucking it's awful. It's Wuthering Heights for cats. No, it's fucking awful, but when Halvory is like, well, if you're looking for inbred, you should look at Roop's clutter, and Arco's like, excuse the fuck out of you? <laughs> <laughs> you want to come at me and my me and Roop's children? Like, <laughs> It's fucking Wuthering Heights for cats is, what if we moved in next door to each other and had our kids fuck so we could fuck vicariously? Boy. I- I'm not sure where that puts it on a no homo. It's definitely not not... Like, it's not no-homoing itself. You know what I mean? I do think it's funny that only cats have a concept of homosexuality. It seems to be. I'm honestly kind of, like, leading, leaning more towards a four, you know? I want to put it as a four because of the intentionality of it, mm-hmm. but I don't want to yeah. give it that true five because unlike others where, like, there's so much, like, oh, damn, we have to beat the allegations out of, like, fear of the homo. This is, like, beating the allegations because it's just, like, no, that's just what, like, people did in history. Mm-hmm. That's just, like, what people did. It is, like, a, yeah, I do think it's, it's beating the allegations way. as, like, no, this is a thing that happens and it sucks. It feels definitely like an exploration of their character dynamic specifically. And I do think it has, like, I, I think it's an interesting theme that this book explores is, like, the, the um, you know, how you form meaningful relationships when you are so focused on breeding is, like, a weird, like, kind of overarching thing with this where, like, Rup and Arkov, like, you know, their whole, again, their whole thing is wanting to breed. But, like, they, like, Storm has to overcome his thing with, like, yeah, I want tolly to have my baby when like you know eventually he learns like yeah but we can just raise a family together and like be rogues and that's fine it is like kind of a great exploration in the sense that like a lot of conservative cultures in history are like born out of like survival needs like you see a lot of pushes to conservatism Mm -hmm. um around the times of like big disasters so like medieval europe like ancient rome uh things like that after like societies are like scrounging to come out of into a great empire. Uh, and that's what kind of Arkov and Roop are doing. They're like, we were in a society that was on like survival mode. Mm-hmm. It was like, you weren't allowed to be gay because you had to think that you had to contribute to the wider society. Mm-hmm. And if you weren't making kids, what fucking need is there for you? It's the whole thing with, um, what is infertile cat's name? Uh, Lindy. Uh, the- Lindy. Yeah, her whole thing is that, like, she's infertile, so a lot of dens, like, don't want her because they're like, you're not contributing. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to contribute, or, like, you're useless, and you're not having kids, so you're not contributing. So, like, it is a lot of that idea of, like, these two were born out of a society that is like, you know, you need to contribute to society by, like, furthering it with I think, kids. I think it is maybe more, like, it's an interesting uh, look at like patriarchal society in general that gets more into what that looks like on a deeper level than like I think most do because it is like you know they're coming out of wartime or whatever like a lot of things are focused on just like breeding and stuff and then Mm -hmm. you have all the nastiness with like the Rogans and Ruse and everything that Trace and Moreau are doing off to the side but then yeah like you interact with these like women in both of those societies who are like yeah I mean my only options are really to like raise my children and hope that like their new father doesn't 
doesn't want to kill them or, like, you know, find a guy who's nice enough to not, like, assault me when I'm still a baby and wait until I'm, like, old enough to comfortably raise a child. And, like, that's, yeah, like, there's just a lot of fucked up in there. And then to throw, like, Arcove and Roop in there as, like, this, yeah, like, what about... Like, a gay couple, like, you know, what are they doing in this society and how everything is, like, under those covers because it's, like, because, I don't know, because they're coming out of wartime. It just, it really, yeah. it's an interesting theme in this book. I think it's explored pretty well in a way that mm-hmm. makes me very uncomfortable most of the time to read it. But, it, you know, yeah. it's, like, a very, I, I don't know, I'm not ne- necessarily a historian. It feels pretty accurate, but, you know. Yeah, and... What I'm trying to get is, I think the four is a good number because it is so much of that, like, it is a no homo, but an intentional no homo to show, like, how uncomfortable and how rigid and how, like, just soul crushing to the idea of identity Mm -hmm. that, like, a lot of these, like, patriarchal and a lot of these, like, fascist, which we love the cats here. We, I think we all can agree we love the cats. They're a fascist society. Oh, yeah, we love the cats. Yeah, oh, they're they a fascist suck. society. They suck, they're good. also. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, like, how soul-crushing and how, like, crushing of your identity and, like, bits of your happiness that you have to, like, chip away at mm-hmm. if you want to even exist in this society. And in Arkov's chain sense, affect change. Like, yeah. he has to, like... When he is dying on his deathbed and being like, Rube, what if we were truly happy together? Like, what if that was a thing that we could do? He has to be, Rube has to be like, you couldn't do that because you wanted to affect change. And the only way to do that is for us to sacrifice pieces of our happiness, which is being with each other Mm -hmm. in a more complete way. And... Instead, now you have to be a king who has to constantly go out and make, like, ethnic cleansings to keep your society safe, even though you have to also be like, society, please don't kill each other. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot. It's really well-written in that sense. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, I think I got off track there, but yeah, four is good. Four, yeah, I like a four. No, yeah, no, it's it's an in-depth conversation, because it is, like, yeah, it's it's it doesn't feel like it's covering up the homo it's like you know it feels definitely like the characters are trying to beat the allegations yeah i will say spotlighting the homo and then saying it's sad that they can't be out Mm -hmm. yeah what are we looking for no romo uh, these two are married they're married they're They're married married. yeah they're also like i do like just like the aspects of just like them being like so tight together like you know just being the ones they can, like, you know, always talk to and speak their minds to. And also, like, their cute little backstory of just, like, sort of immediately latching on to each other and just being like, no, we're, like, ride or die. Like, mm-hmm. I, 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 I do, like, I, I, I enjoy that aspect of it, like, kind of, like, outside the, the romantic aspects, you know? I mean, yeah, it is supposed to be, like, they're more than, like, they're more than what Arkov and his mate are to each other. They're like brothers. Mm. Like, a lot of characters were formed, like, yeah, they had a brotherly bond. They were brothers to each other. And it's like, well, no. But- I do think it's interesting how little they say that. They say Roop and Coden were brothers. They do not say that about Arkov and Roop. And I do think that is an interesting layer to this. 
Because just in the sense that, like, you know, that would be a good, like, that's a common out for books and media that, like, want to have it, but maybe not, like, out in the open, you know? Yeah, Naruto and Sasuke fighting up the waterfall (laughs) and Naruto being like, I'm so obsessed with you because I view you as a brother. And I'm like, sure, man. Yeah, and so, I mean, you know, this is maybe more about the Nohomo, but I do think that's an interesting, like, uh... Yeah. Comparison, like a, a compare contrast where they will go, yeah, Roop had this brother relationship with Coden. He had a different relationship with Arco. I honestly, yeah. I just want to put the no Roma like a one or two. Yeah. Because by the language of the book, they're doing everything except literally sanctionedly tying the knot with each other, but mm-hmm. they're married. Like, they're. It's just, it's it's them against the world. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's not even like the book is trying to fight that, and it's like, oh, damn, I wrote it by accident. It's like, the book is like, no, I know they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And by the world building, they have to fight the allegations, so I want to put out a one or a two. Yeah, I'd be okay with, like, a two. Yeah. Tell me about these fucking sequels. That Yeah, that puts us an 11. Very respectable score. A very I good gotta... score. That is, I think, around where we have, like, Mouse Guard. Yeah. Good. Very respectable score. We're gonna take it, and we're gonna throw it directly in the trash. Yeah, uh-huh. fuck that score. That's right. <laughs> um, what would you say if I told you that some of these sequel books have fully narrated gay sex scenes? Oh! <laughs> Is it between uh, Vala and Sony? Uh, not not between them. They are a canonical couple. It's between, yeah. of all people, Roop and Helvery. What? <laughs> <sighs> they what? start fucking. <laughs> I have to read these sequels. <laughs> I, I need to know what line drew Helvery and Roop together. That kind of makes sense to me in, like, a Garnet Peridot sense, where, like, <laughs> so and so Roop is ho- like, wait, Halvory, you wait, are that's only, an option? you're only homophobic because you've never had gay sex. Like, this is a porno <laughs> setup where he's you're, like, you're don't so even worry. because you've never busted it down sexual style. <laughs> that's right. Let me just teach you my ways. Oh, my God. Does Roop top? Uh... Unfortunately not. I, you know... Well, sometimes you like to bottom. With all their research, I do not think this author is enlightened enough to know about power bottoms, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, That is so sad. Oh my god. Uh, so yeah, uh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go over this really quickly because we're already running so long, but, uh... Yeah, we're here uh, forever. Sonny and Vala are a canonical couple, although they're arguing because Vala wants to bring a dude into their relationship so they can Uh, have kids. uh, Uh, so then, you know... Uh, fucking Sonny is like, no, I don't really want that for this relationship, I'm gonna kind of set a boundary around it, but then she eventually concedes and it's like, okay, yeah, let's get Kelsey in here. That is so funny. (laughs) I need to read these sequels. Yeah, and then, you know, so it is, like, fucking finally, like, canonically confirmed that, like, you know, not only are, are, are Coven Roop fucking, but, like, 
just like gay pairings are just like a really common thing like throughout like all of these species because hey like guess what a lot of this is rooted like in animal kingdom behavior and animals be gay as shit animals be fucking all the time <laughs> because that was one of my things where i was like why is it only the cretia that seemed to have a concept even vaguely of homosexuality because even Moreau and Therese mm-hmm. are like yeah it happens but like you know it's kind of gay or whatever you know <laughs> like <laughs> I mean yeah it's like the part where like Sonny looked at Vala when like Arkov is like and who is this one and like Sonny is like she's my beta and Arkov had like a little warrior's respect nod he was like uh, alright yeah mm-hmm. I know that's right he's like mm-hmm. he's like mm, yeah I get it fist bump <laughs> he said hell yeah brother <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then, uh, you know, so Havelry and Roop, like, have their little, like, rivals to lovers thing oh going god. on. And they f- have, like, fucking five or six sex scenes. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, it's real horny. Oh my god. <laughs> why not? Why are they all Roop Havelry? Why is this, like... <laughs> I want my I fully that narrated... Is- 10-page Arkov and Roop sex scene. I want it to be tender, but I want it to be rough. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, Uh, why not at least, like, one to set the scene and then, I why the- I love the- this author, I'm kind of obsessed with, just because, like, every time I read a portion of this book, I'm like, I see you so clearly, but the choices you are making are so unlike the ones I would make. Why? Uh, and I haven't read like the fourth book in the series that I I don't yeah so I can't speak to that one but the third book that one has the full 10 page Arkov and Roop sexy (laughs) fucking bad Uh, yeah the the third book is where all the Roop and Helvary fucking occurs Uh, also like just tacked on the end there is is like a we get a little tiny short story about the first time Roop and Arkov fucked and apparently this was like written concurrently with the original novel oh my god she just wrote that for herself, and then was like, okay, I'll throw it. Fine, fine, you fucking gays can have it. You fucking have your sex scene. I think these might be my yeah. new favorite books, actually. <laughs> I think I might be obsessed. Um, this is my favorite parasocial relationship with an author that I've ever had. I'm like, okay, my good bitch. <laughs> like, she learned what yaoi was, and then she got comfortable with the idea of what yaoi was. That's fucking right. Yeah, and also, um, the author has, like, a little book of annotations, uh, uh, about, uh, about the, the original Hunter's Unlucky, and, like, some of the annotations were, like, written concurrently with the book, but then also there's, like, annotations to the annotations written in, like, I think 2020 or, or thereabouts, and she is explicitly, like, yeah, like, Rup and Arkov are gay, that's on purpose, but I didn't want to make it, like, fully acknowledged because I was worried that, you know, it would get Get me banned off bookshelves, which is She's a, right. which is a, but yeah, and it's like fucking, but you know, I feel like part of that is just like it being like around 2010 or whenever this was published, yeah. where it's just like, yeah, you can have child brides, you can have murder, you can have necromancy, like you can have child's torture, but mm, consenting relationship, consenting relationship between gay adults, that's like pushing it a little. And once again, she's right. Yeah. Yeah. She's right. She that would get her placed on like it would get her like a rating up, and she would get weirdly a place away from bookshelves. And she's correct. 
Because we live in a nightmare hellscape, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, like, here in the Lord 2023, we're in a very interesting time where, like, our recent media, a lot of it was written before gay marriage was legal, like, anywhere. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, there is a lot of this where you can clearly tell, like, the author wasn't being homophobic, and they did want to explore this, and they were like, I just don't think that, like, this will Get aired. I don't think this will fly if I'm really explicit about it, you know? So I, like, you know, I'll do what I can. And I do like that you can definitely tell that that was what the author was going for. And it like, you know, they never shy away from it in the sense that they're like really covering it up. You know what I mean? Like we, I mm -hmm, think that's mm -hmm. kind of been my big thesis of this is like, yes, it's technically a queer bait, but they did go out of their way to be like, no, this is, this is happening. Here. I mean, we have to acknowledge this is around the time that like Legend of Korra was ending. And like the big thing at the end of it is that. Korra and Asami, like, don't even kiss on screen. They just hold hands and, mm -hmm. like, walk into, like, a spirit portal. And, like, it is, like, the creators of that show, who have already a ton of goodwill for making one of Nickelodeon's biggest show, had to, like, fight tooth and nail to get that included. And they're, like, you can put it at the last fucking scene of the show. Yeah, and they were it's fighting, like, you know, near, like, that was one of those shows where it was like, yeah, you were doing this on a season-by-season -season basis, and they didn't get renewed after that, so, you know, like... It's, yeah, so even around this, she's right, around this time, it is like, if you have anything gay in your, like, pieces of media, you are on thin fucking ice. Yeah, so I think this is brave. Yeah. I think I love this author. <laughs> <laughs> I really had fun with this. Like I said in the beginning, I had a really hard time just picturing anything that was going on. And I at was the beginning, like, I was like, "I fucking hate the fairy chef, and I wish I... they would get ethnic cleansed faster." Like, but this is a very visual <laughs> book that I cannot picture. How am I gonna? And then, like by like you know part two or three, I was like, "Okay, this is actually so fucking interesting." <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I think there is like a noticeable like increase of quality as like the 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 sort of like you know, character dynamics become, like, more nuanced and more interesting. Mm -hmm, totally. Yeah. I think it's endearing to see something like this, especially knowing it was serialized and then sort of turned into a book where you do see, like, a lot of progress between part one and part five. Like, you mm -hmm. know, it's it's cool. I like art like this. Yeah. Yeah. What a fucking episode. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Sky, what are we doing next time? Well, next time... Um, we're covering, uh, something that was sort of an obsession over the past year or so. Uh, oh. Yeah. Oh, Is boy. it about, um... Colombo? Well, <laughs> you know, I'll get to Colombo eventually. Yeah. Um, um, I actually haven't seen Colombo. I know I Well, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the thing that you're about to talk about. Yeah, so, um, I think we're gonna talk about House MD next. Um... Oh, boy. Speaking of... <laughs> Speaking of being in the 2010s and not being able to have canonical homo homosexuality well, on screen. you have one. And it's constantly ruthlessly mocked all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's great. You have 13. Oh, that's right. 13's canonically bisexual. So this will be a start of my series that I want to talk about whether or not you can have queer bait in a show that has canonical <laughs> queer characters. <laughs> Oh, uh, can we can we please cover the episode where House proves that asexuality doesn't exist? Oh, I will. Okay, I will go back and find that and include it because that makes me so mad, and we'll just really have to dive into that in like a separate little section on its own. Uh, can we cover uh, the one episode that was uh, transphobia to the max, where the whole episode is about a child who's like a star who's very beautiful, and House is like, "I figured out your problem. You're actually a boy." 
And the end of the episode is the girl being like, no! Oh, I think I fucking skipped that one. No, you weren't there for that. That was like uh, our old roommate Scott and I were watching. And I was like, it'd be crazy if the next episode we're watching right now is a transphobic one. And it literally was. Oh my god. I haven't heard of this one. I'm sure I'm in for a fucking adventure. Yeah, so we might have a aforementioned roommate friend of the show, Scott, on to uh, talk us through some of the more insane shit, uh, because he, okay. w- he was the one who was, like, taking us through this whole hyperfixation. Um, nice. I do have, like, a small list of episodes. I think I'm going to have to find some videos and stuff just to yeah, really- Yeah, This is a fucking eight-series- Season. Yeah, eight season fucking yeah. shit show. Um, so I have an episode from season one called Detox, um, because House and Wilson like to drug each other. Um, there's an episode in season three, the episode 10, Merry Little Christmas. Um, let's see. Then season four, Frozen and Finale. Season five, episode four, Birthmarks. Um, season six, I have Private Lives and The Down Low, and then season eight, we have Body and Soul and The Finale. So I will be going through and I'll post that, you know, I'll send it to you guys and I'll put it in the Discord and stuff. Um, and then I will have to find some other clips of the more deranged, like, just little scenes that we are not going to sit through a whole episode for. (laughs) Right, Um, yeah. But yeah, that should give us some good tidbits. Um, and that'll, yeah, that'll be fun for us. Hell yeah. I've got to find something short to do for my next pick. I'm, I'm, I am sorry for making you guys like go through like that gigantic audiobook, even though we all had a fun time. Uh, don't worry. I got something short for us to do next time. Okay. Sick. It's going to be a movie that's bad. Oh, hell yeah. I will try to be more restrained with my next pick. No, this is good. I'm eventually going to suggest Lord of the Rings, so I understand. Right. No, yeah, we we loop around. I'll pick some movies when I'm needing yeah. it. And yeah. I just, I can't think of anything better to do right now than House MD. I feel like we're in that zone of, right. like... <laughs> let's go. I'm ready. I'm prepared. We're in that 2000s zone, so let's stick with it. <sighs> okay. Shall we do some plugs? Yeah, let's, let's fucking get out of here. I'm Emery. You can find me on a podcast called Digimon Ghost Gaze. By the time this comes out, I might also will either be pretty close to releasing or have already released my new podcast called Check Out This Guy, where we talk about uh, OCs that we all have and make made up and think about. Oh my god, that's startling. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Okay. I've got a lot of fucking tabletop characters that I want to yell about. Um, That's wonderful. Uh, I'm also on Fur Affinity with the username Space Robot. You can get in touch with me about a commission, probably over Discord. Just hit me up there or my email address, spacerobotart at gmail.com. And I'm also in an upcoming audio drama, News Eventually. Wonderful. Hell yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Ruben Gasly. You can find me on another podcast called uh, The Sonic Shuffle. Um, we have a, well, we already released a April Fool's Joke episode, and also we're coming up with a tabletop RPG uh, episode, so be on the lookout for those. Uh, you can find me on an episode of Digimon Ghost Game where I talk about goo. Um, uh-huh. And that's it. 
Awesome. We talk about goo and not aliens, because that's and that's not until episode sixty-seven. Definitely no aliens. Gulus Galman is not just Venom and Vegeta and Sasuke fused into one. Incredible. Um, well, I run a Tumblr for the show at We Write Queerbait on Tumblr dot com. I also run a um, I mm, I always try to call the show Gone Well Hunting a Hunter Hunter. Uh, podcast Tumblr at Go Next While It's Hunting. For it's basically hours. just going while hunting now that we got to it. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, yeah, we, we, we overtook it. Um, so yeah, you can follow us on there. And then I'm also on Bandcamp at L Sky. And that's it. Yeah, you can also find our Discord server linked in the show notes. Go there and tell me anytime I fucked up and set the wrong playback speed for an episode. <laughs> um, we love that. Also, go in there and tell us about your favorite warrior cats OCs. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Also, tell me if there's anything gay in warrior cats, because I didn't read that series. <laughs> I was a Percy Jackson child, um, and I feel like it's a blind spot. Yeah, I was an Animorphs kid. Yeah. We all have our blind spots. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well. All right. So I think... Hey, we've been going on for a really long time. What if we just ended the episode? Oh my god, no, but- Oh no. Should we end the episode? That'd be crazy, you guys. I think we should. Oh, that'd be crazy. I think I don't want- I think I don't want to be here for another half hour. Oh, you don't want to be here for another half hour? That'd be crazy. But if we just, like, continue to record for another, like, hour or so? (laughs) That would be fucking Mm, What if we kept it rolling? we kept it going? Mm. (laughs) I have more What if we made a- Oh. We made a podcast episode that matched the length of the book we just <laughs> What if we did that? What if we sat here and listened to me practice my Arkov impression? Because holy shit, that, that, that audiobook narrator does a sexy-ass cat voice. Mm, uh, yeah, Arkov yeah, is really, uh, mm, really bad other voices, but good Arkov voice. Mm. Yeah, some yeah. of the voices made me laugh, but every time Arco was on, I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, me. thank you, Arco. Thank That's- you for being here. <laughs> thank you, Daddy Arco. Ah, uh, thank you. I love you, Arco. Um, I'm just kidding, though. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Joke. Just kidding. No, we wouldn't do that. That'd be so funny. Unless? Unless. Bye. Good night, Bye. everyone. <laughs>